Hey guys, welcome back to Tap That AZ Podcast. I'm your host, Eric Walters. This episode is sponsored by the Arizona Craft Brewers Guild. It's a nonprofit with the goal of furthering the understanding and appreciation of the Arizona craft brewing industry and to maintain the quality and image of beer produced through the education of consumers, retailers, distributors, and brewers. Huge legislative impact over the years as well. Fighting for your right to party. Check them out. Chooseazbrews.com. This is where you can find all the information you need to know about the Arizona Craft Brewers Guild, including a guild member directory, including some upcoming brewery openings. So um, that's where you can buy their tickets for their upcoming events as well. So AZ BrewCon coming up on the 26th of July and Real Wild and Woody coming up on the 27th of July coming up here pretty quick we've got two tickets to give away for real wild and woody to enter simple email me at eric at tap subject line a ticket will make my year so that's a subject line you need to have a ticket will make my year two individual winners will be selected at random this thursday to win a single ticket each be notified via email that they want a ticket and a ticket. Yeah, I guess. Not and a ticket. Just a ticket. You're going to get a single ticket, right? So make sure you check your emails for an email from eric at tapthataz.com if you enter to see if you won. All right. This episode, hang out with the dudes at Arizona Wilderness. John and Pat, awesome guys. Had them on the show before for their um, Camp Cool Ship. But this one is more focused on the story of them. Um, As you can hear, this is uh, definitely going to be a part one. We skim the surface on on what Arizona Wilderness has done so far. Um, These guys are awesome, awesome dudes and just had a really good time. So expect to hear them back on the show again soon. So let's tap into Arizona Wilderness. So we are, this is, uh, you've been at the top of my list for a long time, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So the, uh, I was going to say, together. the what? We piece them together. Yes. Yes, we did. And I was going to say the ever elusive, uh, wilderness humans, but we only have one human here now. Yeah. Pat's on his wind. Yeah. Um, we rarely in the summertime get a weekend with family and his family was in town. And so he chose the right path. Yeah, absolutely. I chose man. the crazy path in New York City at other half's <laughs> festival. So it looked like it was pretty insane, man. Yeah, it was. Yeah, I'm, I'm feeling it. <laughs> so I appreciate you coming in, and uh, I, I don't want to say coming in like this yeah. is my place, but I appreciate you coming in. No, your thanks business. for allowing me to be a little late and yeah, man, gather myself. I, I brought my lines made and uh, chaga. What is that? It's two cordyceps that allow for focus. Ah. So a lot of people want to know our party secrets. We take a lot of um, legal and very, very highly adaptogenic um, ah. things. <laughs> things. <laughs> things. <laughs> a lot of them are powder format and pill format. So. Well, dude, so we've got uh, we've got some stories to tell. You've got some stories to sure. tell. Sure. Um, I can give you a State of the Union. I just got back from a lot of the best breweries to me in the world. Um, so, yeah, whatever you want to do. Like, well, let's, let's start with, the, first of all, uh, I, I would say this is an understatement, but the b- past, what, five years have been probably pretty insane for you. Yeah. yeah. I, it's different than being a window cleaner, which which was a good step into entrepreneurship. Um, it, it, it's it been um, 
a way, you know, a way to tell a story, which is what I've always been good at since I was a kid. It's telling stories through the brand is pretty, you know, in, incredible. It's 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 what I truly want to do is be a rock and roll star. But I think a lot of people with my type of personality, um, number five on the on the I think the Enneagram scale, yeah. if anyone cares. But uh, <laughs> um, I I want to be a front man, but I also like to include everyone, and that can be conflicting. That's 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 the disposition. Yeah. <laughs> but this has been a I've, I've been allowed to do that, and it's never been easy. Um, and one thing that I notice. Over the past, and it's been six years. It'll be it'll be six in September. Oh no shit! September second, yeah. Labor Day was when we opened. Okay, two thousand thirteen. Um, is one of the big changes is uh, in the beginning I was very accessible, and Yes was a you know that movie Yes Man with yeah. Jim Carrey. It felt like that was the beginning. Um, and Saying now, yes to everything. Yeah, okay. yeah, just go for it. Uh, we still do a lot of that, but we've learned the power of no and and you know to to find out if we have resources first. But yeah. it's been a wild six years, and and wisdom has been gained. I have a lot more to learn. I was just with Jeff Bagby, who owns Bagby Brewing, and he's a, he's a guy twenty years in, and I'm always learning new things from people like him. Um, I think it's fair to say that some someone like him looks at me and says, how the hell did you do this? You, you yeah. weren't a brewer for 20 years. Yeah. <laughs> he, he was yeah. under Tommy Arthur Pizza Port, and he's like, what did you do? And I was like, well, I homebrewed 22 times. Yeah, <laughs> 22 That's, times, yeah. not years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. 22 <laughs> times. And uh, so some of it's luck, and some of, you know, some of it's um, ambitious. Just give up, a, you know, put things um, aside, even my family life. But, you know, that's... That's coming to an end, and I think a lot of the new wilderness is a lot of philosophical thought processes, and we want to become one with the earth and be really good for Arizona, uh, and we're not as desperate anymore. Um, and so that you know, you can the wild ride's still there, but it's, you can tell that we're maturing a little bit, and yeah. now we're truly, really trying to find a, a, a way to go from here that makes sense for everyone. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. That's a tough path, man. Tough, it's, tough. Yeah. I mean, you, you. There's times you fuck shit up. There's times you, you crush it, and it's just that's yeah. part of the that's part of the journey, man. Yeah. yeah. The the, num- the hardest thing to ever do is manage people when you're not trained to do it, and you, you know you don't you don't really have a specific way to understand that until until hindsight. Sure. Yeah. And um, you know, we go from twelve to. 16 to 32 to 52 you know the when you when you grow that many people it's not that you're going to manage all of them but the person who have who has to manage and that that layer of management that's a big ask and now you know year one through three there's a lot going on there uh, how to how to manage people and um but if we didn't start a restaurant i don't think we'd have survived i i I don't think that in gilbert arizona i don't think that we could have survived by just saying hey we have good beer come by this building um, maybe a food truck in the back, but I don't, that building that we chose, uh, you know, the seven two one building on Arizona Avenue, um, I think it really required food, and so that's a big part of learning how to manage people. You know? Yeah, what's so, two businesses, right? That's what people yeah. always say. It's like you start two businesses: a brewery and a restaurant. Yeah, even yeah, it's one. Yeah, and yeah. I wrote the menu two in the morning before we got started. Um, Pat was laying on green bags, and it just it when we got started it was like the floodgates were about to release and it did trust me it did it's crazy how that from from day one to the day the rate beer thing came through what we saw and what we learned and what we did uh, i think we got like a five-year 
condensed six months, if you will. But um, <laughs> crash course. Yeah, I wrote that so, menu two in the morning. Yeah, and and I, it was like, hey, we have a flat top. I, I had some experience understanding um, food, so I said, we have a flat top. Let's just go with it. We have a grill. Let's go with burgers. Yeah, and called Cisco at the time and said, hey, can you fulfill an order? early in the morning yeah. we're opening tomorrow we have to oh shit yeah, yeah. And so that menu's evolved i'd say <laughs> yeah. we're on our seventh rendition of that menu and i've yeah. been a part of writing everyone and another another thing i never put in my resume before yeah <laughs> menu builder so <laughs> yeah learn how to do that and i i i, I appreciate it because anytime you know if this craft beer thing does become unpopular or just goes away tomorrow I would be able to start any restaurant now. Yeah. I, I, I can, I can yeah. hook up with chefs and say, hey, let's get this done. So at least yeah. I have that backup plan. Yeah. Hell yeah, I think dude. we're going to be all right, though. Yeah. I think Wilderness is going to be all right. I think you guys are going to be all right, man. Yeah. 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 Well, let's go back. Let's go back. Because I know um, – so you grew up in Ohio. So yeah. We both grew up in Ohio. Yep. Um, I was on the eastern part of the state. You were what, Ashland? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah okay. Ashland. Correct. So, so – I don't tell me about that. Like, tell me about like growing up. What was what was? Your, yeah, my, like, it's funny. My mother just chimed in this morning on Instagram, which is always freaky. Yeah. Which I love you, mom. Um, I'm glad you're using Instagram. That's you. <laughs> I'm worried about that. But uh, she said because we went blackberry picking um, at a new farm that we found, which is amazing. I can get into that later on this foraging versus farming thing. But um, she said, you know, are you reminiscing of when we were eight? You know, yeah. and I took you to blackberry farms in Ohio. I said, Mom, I think that this is why I'm, I care so much about this. It was my, my mother would would load me up in a car when my brother was just a baby, and we'd go through the countryside. And I never thought we were supporting farms. Yeah. I, that's how blackberries grew. Yeah. Right. And blueberries <laughs> and strawberries and lettuce and all those things, they grew. And so I got a lot of the agricultural, rural um, experiences out early. I had a tree house, you know. I, yeah. that's, that's That was a big one for me. It's go to, go to the largest tree in the yard. We had 20 yeah. acres. Uh, there's cornfield probably 100 acres behind us and and you build a tree house and you learn this craftsmanship and and really was just it was really imaginatory every day of my life and i didn't have a ton of friends growing up because of the rural presence you had to ask mom to drive you there sure yeah (laughs) i did not grow up like you know my wife or anyone here in arizona who like your neighbors were plentiful and every day a million people moved and it felt like yeah (laughs) and the city doubled in size it felt like you know yeah so i got that and um, a lot of those friendships and bonds are still there today. You know, yeah. there's a lot of uh, Ashland High School people that I talk to because it's just different when you don't have five million people surrounding you. It is. It, it, it's different. So yeah. I think that that forged a lot of how I feel about telling stories. I know that a lot of this is precious, you know, and especially yeah. my father was a pastor and we moved a lot. Um, and so I, I went to several different schools, moved in seventh grade, which is a very, very poignant point of um, someone's life, sure. know, especially a young male young man's life and anyone's life um but to go to a new school at that finding age, your identity like, yeah and yeah. i was a late bloomer you know these kids yeah. were were getting you know chin hairs and i still was just like little boy and i go to this brand new school in ashland ohio which looking back the twenty thousand people lived there was a mega city from where i grew up yeah from from where i was a kid okay. know, which had 200 people and my both dad in ohio both in ohio okay. yeah one was yeah. up near Elyria, florence ohio and um and then we moved down and it's like wow 20,000 people. I'm going, you know, and so you walk into eighth, eighth grade and you realize, holy shit, they're all established. Yeah. And I have to get, I have to figure something out to, to stand out, you know, and that yeah. took some time. And I was definitely a late bloomer in many ways. So, you know, getting here, I, I mean it, getting to Arizona, I feel like I found, you know, I finally found my identity. I never felt right in Ohio. I just never felt yeah. like 
uh, I was right. And and then I study a little bit about John Muir, even Thoreau, like you know these great authors who had this imaginatory. They didn't. They also had a lot of things to say about that. Walt Whitman. Um, where they didn't feel they didn't feel good. like their childhood was where they're supposed to be, and then they yeah. found the what the West. They found the mountains. They found the the grandeur of what I you know I just the grandeur of life. And so I think that I fit in that category, and that helps me. The Ohio days helped me um, set a pathway of agriculture, you know, and love of farmers. And farmers, you know, 4-H was a thing, you know. Yeah, <laughs> I joined 4-H. I don't yeah. even know what the hell it is anymore, but yeah. Uh, long story short, I guess yeah, the Ohio thing got me here, and now I, 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 you know, as John Muir said, I did find the mountains, and I went home, and and that's, that's an important part of my life, and what really drives me more than success in a business. It's to know that I have a back, you know, playground in my backyard. You yeah, know? yeah. It's it's interesting because where where I grew up, same thing. It was it was you know rural area. Like, wh- how many farmers did you know? You knew a shitload of them. Yeah, like, kids of farmers and uh, things like that. You didn't know any computer techs back then. No. It was more farmers. Yeah, <laughs> no, yeah, oh uh, yeah. My uncle was a social media uh, manager in 1989. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but it, but it's interesting because because like now it's kind of cool to be a farmer right yeah you know like it's it's kind of man you just opened a pandora's box uh, <laughs> uh so what do you mean what do you mean by that I, look it's cool to be a farmer but some of the farmers do need to learn business and i love all you farmers that that we like to support and you support us but it's it's a it, I mean to strike a land deal right now and in, in the city you know i i consider the city here you know from buckeye to queen creek uh from cave creek to to probably even Florence. Okay. It, it's a big deal to start a farm in, in an urban farm, you know, sure. the, the unestablished schneps. Well, they, I guess they would fit that mold. They're, they're people who I admire, but it's a business. Yeah. And that's a tough one. And the farmers that I grew up with and you grew up with, their great granddaddy probably got the land for a dollar, you know, yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. And so it's, it's a different story now. And so I love these farmers and I hope that, um, they all understand this business that they're in, this the water rights, the the land deals. I mean, your farm's going to be worth more as a ho- housing community if you don't pay attention. Uh, you know, yeah. y- your employees can't make twenty two thousand dollars a year, and I'm not calling it. That's not a real number that I know, sure. but it's just you know yeah. they. This is a big step, and so I love supporting them, and that's why we're so into it. Yeah, um, supporting that theme is is. Um, I could, you know, I could go and pick at, at a lot of times oranges for free, but we, we decide to pay for oranges and lemons and, and citrus that, that literally could be picked many times from people's backyard. We, we decided early on to support the farmer on that one yeah. um, and say, hey, please go easy on us. And he or she is always like, hey, thanks for that. You know, and yeah. that develops the first bond. And that could be a bonus program for, for their farmers. That could be a new tractor, you know, and that's that's how we view it. And yeah. and um, our pricing model, we've learned also to make sure that our pricing model reflects that every, you know, everyone understands that you're buying really good, high-quality beer that's been farmed yeah. and, and been, um, you know, kind of curated to being the best orange in the valley it's sure. not just something that grew in you know aunt edna's backyard yeah. <laughs> it's 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 the best orange in the valley yeah. yeah so hopefully i didn't go too much in a tangent there You're but good, man You're it good. is yeah. a pandora's box i mean <laughs> yeah. we have some farmers when you yeah. call and they they are so adorable god damn it <laughs> they want to come through and and logistics of a brewery i mean you can look around here you can see all the 
today obviously Monday's a busy day, but normally we'd have fruit everywhere and it just shows up in hordes and yeah. if they're not stacked in the pallet correctly and they didn't you know, they didn't QAQC, there's bugs in every single one. It gets to be the point of like this farm to table thing can get very, very messy. Our yeah. kitchen deals with the most. Yeah. And so yeah, we look at the farmer and say, Hey, we've been good to you. Can we now talk about you, you know, maybe bringing back some of that love to us and they're always responsive. The good farms, like Steadfast, has grown. Yeah. Uh, Eric has grown, and he's got great employees. And, but in the beginning, it was him, and he would yeah. show up, and he'd have bags under his eyes, just like we would. Yeah. And he'd be like, "Here's your lettuce today." Yeah. <laughs> so it's it's fun to see that that grow. But I, I do encourage anyone getting into the farm game to work at a farm for a while. So it's same as a brewery. Yeah. Go work at a brewery for a while and understand how annoying the annoyances are. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Well, you know, you, you brought out something that that's a really good point is I, I think that's why we ended up becoming getting into such, you know, um, non-organic stuff, just mass produced to create quality and consistency or not quality. Um, the consistency of like fruits and things like that for people to say, oh, that one looks good, even though there's pesticides. And yeah. All that. So I mean, to organically do it, it's so much more work to. Right. You know. I, I, the analogy, I guess the. The anecdote I can come up with, that it, going back to my mother, is the day that Kraft macaroni and cheese showed up in my house was a very big turning point for America. My mom being the one who took me picking and would would only love to support planet Earth. And, you know, um, the day that that showed up in my house as a, hey, I'm working, you know, uh, obviously mothers started working late 80s and, and through the 90s. Our whole world changed when, when women started to become more equal in, in the workplace, my mother being part of that. Hey, I'm going to be home at six. Here's some craft macaroni and cheese. Here's the directions. Yeah, that was you know it wasn't her fault. It was just it was a big change, and yeah. and there was no longer this wholesome meal waiting. It was here's little Debbie snacks. Yeah, and it was instant reward. Yeah. I had serotonin the second I walked in, and then <laughs> yeah. the second one was trying to replace the feeling of the first one, and then the third one yeah. was you know, and I you know, and I I look at I'm like that ninety five through ninety nine period was when you'd go into grocery stores and those marketing campaigns because everything was becoming digital obviously and it was easy to have a picture of a farm on your on your oh, yeah. on your whatever product and yep. and so yeah it it definitely changed the game and I do have a jaded sense about that my mother's one of the smartest people my father and everyone in Ashland super farm supporting but we all got the wool pulled over our eyes and that's another part of our story is let's unveil that wool and and we have had people say, what do you mean $20 for a four-pack? Why would your burger be this cost? Well, our profit margins are <clears throat> very, very slim and very similar to anyone else. Even a Bud Miller Coors, our profit margins aren't that much different. Yeah. You know, yeah. our pricing's different because of the downstream effect of, you know, how we purchase. Snoggle malt's not cheaper than, sure. than, than monocrop malt. Yeah. But I'm telling you, the wool, it, it's ugly. And yeah. there's been enough movies for people to watch and books written. Um Michael Pollan, one of my favorite authors, Omnivore's Dilemma. Um, um, I'm trying to think the the new one that he just wrote. Uh, that's that's more about abject, adaptogenic uh, things, like even psilocybin, um, okay. which we don't have to go down that. But <laughs> long story short, I sure. think the wool was pulled over our eyes, and and that's something we should talk about. And I think that wilderness hopefully opens that venue to not just say, "Hey, they're local," "Hey, they support local," but "Hey." we are getting rid of an evil empire and hopefully Phoenix can be one of the places to say fuck off to that. Yeah. You know, I don't yeah. dislike Cisco because they do a lot for us locally. Um, and what happened with Cisco, do you mind if I go down this path? Not at all, okay. man. Not at all. No, this just, is all great. Yeah. I, I just, I, I just get excited about this story. Um, 
and I don't want to take too much credit for it because Deb deserves deserves a lot. But and Cisco does too. They do. Um, but they they kind of sense that we started putting the word local a lot more on things, and I think some of these larger companies think that we're just saying that as a keyword and then you as in as in wilderness wilderness, specifically yeah like local all of a sudden you're a local and you're supporting conservation but you never did before yeah so maybe you should check your ethics um if it's your new direction good maybe maybe you're changing your mentality as a business and i i support that you know i i hope we've always supported anyone who's walked in our doors and anyone who's been employed with us their background should matter to the to the owners and the business um but this one in particular the local thing i think is another one of those key points that people say hey we're going local okay let's talk about that yeah and and cisco picked up on that and said you know we're gonna start and it kind of came off as cheesy and maybe Uh, unauthentic and so we kind of pulled them aside and said look we're we're supporting farms so much that we're probably going to switch our beef supplier yeah we're not just doing this to be local and they said holy shit really like really you would our your beef shows up and and how this all works is so amazing you know from 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 cow to to burger it's amazing and i know that right now beef is a hot topic uh, the impossible burger yeah which it's an evil empire. Be very careful out there. <laughs> yeah. The evil empire of buying laboratory food is very, very serious. It's yeah. very, very, very close to being. Oh, um, I don't want to say too much, but I think it, I think that you're going towards a communistic food value if you if you're choosing it. Yeah. And and so why we're so into this grass fed thing and why Cisco played into that is Cisco essentially allowed us to shop. And we did go to other companies, and we almost picked a couple. And then Deb came along with Arizona Grass Raised Beef Company. And the requirements for us were you have to have 100% of the cows have to be born here and stay here. They cannot go anywhere else. And that is rare. And normally they would go to Colorado to a a, a corn-fed vinyl days kind of thing. New Mexico has a couple. And those are the large. And sometimes they're even boutique, but they're they're the large one. And we don't want you to go up there. Yeah. We want you to stay here. And so that means they have to have a USDA uh, facility on site. I mean, we're talking millions of dollars to just become USDA yeah. approved. We don't want just the mom and pop one because we're going to have burgers in our menu. So yeah. she met the requirements. She got USDA approved. She also bought six ranches in the state of Arizona and recouped them with wow. her husband. So we found her, and Cisco allowed us to not only uh, go with them, but they are the provider now of them. And the only thing that they needed was to get a metal detector in their facility after the meat's been processed. Yeah. And so that story, think about this. We had Cisco out of Houston, the greatest uh, food purveyor in, you know, as far as volume yeah. in America. Now it sources a locally grass-raised, which is important, and then grass-finished. Yeah. They don't touch grain. They only eat Arizona grass. Yeah. And then the day that they're going to be taken is they're corralled and they're the temple grain and way, if you know her. Uh, and, yeah. and it's a very peaceful method. And it's good for the earth. Their soil, you know, they're creating great soils. Yeah. And so all this stuff is incredible. And so it's like you look at Cisco and say, look what we could do together. Yeah. If more companies didn't just fake local and they said, hey, we want to be local, what does that mean? And I think that Arizona Craft Brewers Guild and think people like that should probably have more of a uh, let's focus on Arizona Forum. 
and yeah. and instead of let's focus on distribution formats. Yeah, and I think the Arizona form is very important right now. You yeah. know that we will run out of water. It will yeah. happen if 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 two thousand breweries open up in Arizona, which it could, feels like it could, right? Oh yeah, just, it space, just keeps yeah. going. Which <laughs> yeah. more power to everyone, but we do need to have a prerequisite. You want to open a brewery? Let's talk about the resources. Yeah, let's talk about the the the, the model that does work and doesn't work so yeah. yeah that's that local thing i guess that was another tangent but you know <laughs> that's good man that's, that's good that's the chaga yeah that's well, the lion's mane well where where uh where does this come from do you think i mean where does it i mean because obviously i mean the way you grew up like you said had a big impact but i mean there are many people that grew up that way but don't have the passion that that you have to well to... i number one i can tell you fatigue business fatigue is real you know i know you run a business and it's it can, it it's like that it's like that perfect apple showing up yeah that my mother started to get yeah it's like craft macaroni and cheese showing up it's easier to do it this way right sure and yeah so our payroll i would go against anyone would reflect how much we value having someone in the position to help succeed okay and other breweries i noticed could could probably use more employees with skill okay i i, I notice that a lot quality um, over quantity type yeah, of thing. yeah. like I, i'll just do that myself kind of sure. mentality yeah um and so we just got good advice early on and just knew, like, Justice, obviously, you know, Justice, our head of restaurant, Charles, our lawyer, turned into our COO, um, you know, Piero, our CFO, our, our accountant, if you will, and, and, and both of our GMs at both locations, Chase, clearly, we went, we went over, over the top with some of the, yeah. the hires, and I think that that's helped the business fatigue on my level, because my job okay. is to think of ideas... And, and better the brand. That's yeah. my main two jobs. And yeah. CEO is a little part of that. Sure. Um, I'm Pat and I are definitely the yes no at yeah. the end of the day. Okay. And and sometimes maybe. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but rarely we're pretty clear on what we want. <laughs> yeah. So uh, yeah, I think I think that passion is derived from the fact that I can make clear decisions and okay. and you know to the I want to start a brewery person out there. Um, you'll if we ever get a chance over beer, I can talk about our payroll and what we do and how we do it. I don't want to say it here, but sure. I think it's just, we really go high on, we really like to give people a chance to succeed in this company in a yeah. big way and not in a, as a career and not just pull the veil over the eyes of what really was happening about 2008 is we all were just starting our garage project. That's all we were doing. The, yeah. uh, the home brewing. Yeah. yeah. And then okay. we started brewing and go, it's going to succeed. No one had a five-year plan, a 10-year plan, a 15-year plan. And, yeah. and Ken Grossman's looking back going, huh, I'm 25 years in, you know, and I've, I've, I have another 25-year plan. Um, yeah. And I think a lot of the breweries out there now, if, they're, if they survived, and to survive more, you better start thinking about that five-year plan, yeah. what that model is. Yeah, enter. Well, so, well, all right, we'll go, go back a little bit too, right? So from, from Ohio to Arizona, how did, how did that happen? Yeah, it was a Western um, story that I think a lot of, you know, Teddy Roosevelt talks about his call to the West. Before he became the president, he went and worked on a ranch in Wyoming okay. uh, or Montana. Sorry if I got, it's one of the two. Somewhere up there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it, um, North. And maybe both. But yeah. Teddy's someone I look up to, obviously, uh, who just never never got bothered by the the hardship of what was in front of him and i think that the west has a lot of those stories right and so i had a a best friend who who now i can reference which is this is great cuz now he's the gm of merkin in scottsdale uh, okay the new osteria that yeah. manor just opened he's the gm there he just had a new times article about his how he got in his career which is awesome nice, that i can man. reference jim cunningham now yeah good job on or nicely done on the new times article but 
Uh, Jim was getting. Uh, Jim invited me out. Long story short, and I said yes, and it was just on on a whim. Uh, was, you knew him growing up. Or? Knew him from Ashland, Ohio. Okay. Yeah. Knew him from high school. He moved here. His his parents were also involved in um, starting churches, and they started a church out here. And I was the the bad seed in our our community oh, yeah. growing up in church wise. Yeah, I was a yeah. pastor's kid that skateboarded and drank and had fun and. Um, so, you know, when I moved out here, Jim, Jim knew what he was getting into, and we had some fun when I moved here. I was 19. I had a uh, 88 Chevy Nova, rusted out, died halfway through, had to fix that in Springfield, Illinois, and I got here with $350, and I went to Milano Music, big Milano plug, yeah. and, uh, <laughs> and I, I, I bought a guitar for $350 and had to tell Jim I have no money, yeah. and, and so that was an interesting start, and that's, that's why, you know, I, there's more to that story, but why I moved here was truly a Western calling. It was. Okay. It, it, in hindsight, now I can really say I had no fucking clue what I was yeah. doing. What do you mean I moved <laughs> to Arizona? And my mom, she she came back and felt very secure in the fact that I was moving. Had you um, been out here before? I came once. Okay. And, and uh, it was the April of that year. I moved here in August 2002. Okay. I came once. Um, just to visit Jim, just to see it. Yeah. And, you know, unfortunately, I feel so silly, but I fell in love with the two. I'm, I was driving down the 202. The 101 hadn't been built yet, but I was driving down the 202 and saw the ASU campus. It's like I'm moving here. And I yeah. fell in love. And I can relate to people who fall in love with it, the weather and the palm trees. Sure, yeah. From the Midwest, I can. And now I, yeah. I advise against that. And I say, whoa, whoa, you, get, you should see the state first and then go to Phoenix. And you should do it that way. But, yeah, yeah. I, I, moved, I drove out here. Um, a few months later, uh, pizza delivery boy saved up some money and got, you know, got a tank of gas and went. Yeah. And back then, I love saying back then, but back then I uh, certainly did not have, um, I did not have Google. It was, uh, it was a AAA map with oh, the yellow yeah. line on yeah. there. <laughs> Speak of the devil, here's the great Patrick Ware. Look What's at up, this boys? guy. What's up, buddy? Cold brew. Good to see you, man. Smart. Yeah, a little coffee. Yeah. I went Get with some chaga. <laughs> Yeah. To get the brain going. So you're flying right now. Getting there. I got. I flew <laughs> you home. Like you're fully functioning. Slept. <laughs> yeah. No deprivation. Yeah. If I got home at one in the morning uh, from New York City, which the city that never sleeps, meet to the guy that never sleeps. That's always a good combo. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You got some sleep last night, Pat. A little bit. Yeah. Yeah. You're not much of a sleeper, are you? No. Nah. Not so much. <laughs> I got a pretty active uh, coon hound. Ah oh, shit. Yeah, He's so. still fucking shit up. Uh, yeah, he, he actually <laughs> ate my fig tree and stripped all the bark off of it yesterday and just gnawed Boone. on it for a while. Uh-oh. Boone. Uh-oh. It's, it's cool. a legendary. That's why yeah. Pat can't go to do, do anything anymore. <laughs> it's almost easier to have a kid, right, than to have a dog. You should uh, watch Boone. Like, sit back anytime you get a chance downtown Phoenix and Pat's there with Boone. Just sit yeah. back and grab a beer and watch the whole thing. Really? Boone, Boone is a kid. Yeah. Like, one second away from Boone, and he's chewing on something, peeing on something, barking at someone in a wheelchair, whatever it may be. He's definitely <laughs> yeah. a yeah, hound a dog. Yeah. <laughs> and how old is he now? He's 11 months. Yeah. Um, so, But he's useful. Yeah. He turns me into an extrovert. Okay. I typically don't talk to people, and he makes me talk to people. So that's good. <laughs> well, I think at the uh, at Camp Cool Ship, he, you had to talk to everybody at the campsite because he basically mauled everybody's tents, right? Yeah. For the most yeah. part. You know he actually bit a man on the side of the ear? No. Yeah, one of those guys who walked up to the... Yeah, the camp. He jumped up and bit him Jesus on the ear. So, that 
that's one of many bites. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> My favorite is when we went to Paso Robles for the Firestone Invitational a couple, what, three weeks ago now. Yeah. We took Boone to the ocean for the first time, and he wants to bite every wave coming in. And yeah. then he gets confused, and he wants to bite everyone. And we all have blood coming out of our <laughs> yeah. bodies, our brewers included. Yeah. From the, the trip to the ocean. He's yeah. such a dog. Like, he's, yeah. he's of the earth, and he's ready to... But, he's, but at the same time, you cuddle with him, yeah. and he looks at you in the, with those eyes, and you're like, oh, wow. Yeah. This, this is a sweet yeah, little It's a little strange guy. juxtaposition. Uh, <laughs> the the most infamous bite ha- actually happened a couple weeks ago. I went down to Calibri Vineyards to hang out with Eric and see the grapes and stuff. Yeah. So he starts running after Eric's 4x4 uh, because yeah. he's trying to irrigate all the, the grapes. And, yeah. and it's this famous vineyard down there. Uh, he jumps up and and just gnaws on he like punctures eric's calf muscle jesus <laughs> this is the great eric glomsky who we look up to a lot yeah and that was a blood into wine yeah guy, yeah, right? yeah oh yeah. shit that's a good reference yeah. oh man oh man so uh i i went up there for their festival this weekend and i i left boone home yeah for that one so even even like the uh what would they call them the kennels they're like fuck that no boone's not coming yeah yeah (laughs) just let him have a fig tree in the backyard dude i'll never forget him almost snatching a drone out of the sky yeah yeah that was yeah oh yeah i mean thinking he was nine months then yeah he's getting more Uh, you know in tune with his abilities (laughs) his abilities yeah all right, so we were talking about uh, John's move out to, to Arizona. You said 2003? Right? 2002, yeah. 2002. And I okay. met Patrick 2011. And so I think that that's probably a good segue because Pat just got here. But I, I think that's a lot of people's questions is how did you two meet each other? Because we are up, uh, opposed as far as um, he's a one on that scale I was talking about. Okay, yeah. We are opposite in many ways. I'm the extrovert. He's the introvert. But it's it, we switch roles a lot i notice i'll yeah. become the introvert he'll become the extrovert when it's needed and so people get intrigued by the two of us like what the hell is you yeah. know what is how did you meet and i and uh, it, i met because a girl thought i was him and she <laughs> said where were you last night <laughs> ah, <no shit. laughs> and I'm, I'm standing next to my wife and i was like so not that introverted <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I, I mean, you, you can't be given baby blues and be introverted. You know, come on. But, yeah, it was it was a lot of intrigue of people yelling, "Hey, Patrick!" to me. Yeah, and I was doing Kickstarter at the time okay. when we started the brewery. I started with Kickstarter. Hey, Patrick, Santan Patrick. There's a point where I'm like, I got to meet this guy. Yeah, you know. Oh, so you hadn't even known him. So you're nope. already starting building this him. without even knowing. Yeah, that. and okay. I I think I had a beer at Santan and looked back and said, sure. I must be the guy. Yeah, same hair. You got the dreamy eyes, like you're looking at yeah. like the Instagram yeah. thing with the hearts, like kind of. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So we we started to. Uh, I I popped back in the brewery and I, I I think he had also heard the same thing. Like you look like the guy starting a brewery and it just that was the start of it. And Pat was like, yeah. How about this? I'm fucking working. And you're talking about starting a brewery. I'm going to go back to work. Yeah. That was about six months of that. So I had the, the what we call the wear veil. You know? Yeah. It's like. So you were trying to like pick his brain a little bit on, yeah. on certain things. Yeah. And I was, was pretty like, confident because yeah. I had to be. I was faking sure. a lot of confidence back then. Like, yeah. oh, I can do this, you know. And you're, you go to bed crying at night like, holy yeah. shit, can I do this? <laughs> yeah. And Pat saw right through that and was like, all right, this, you know. And I think, you know, he, he tasted the beer was, was what I'm proud of is. I did care about making really high quality beer, and I listened yeah. to every fucking podcast there was. Anytime Vinny Chilurzo ever said one word, yeah. I found that word, and yeah. I think there's a lot of brewers like you know, or owners like me who did that. And so he came down and tried the beer, and that was the the point where he said, "Okay, you're not fucking around here. This isn't yeah. some made up 
glory story, you know, garage warrior. Yeah. And so I think that that's my version of it. Yeah. Well, yeah. I, I got to give John a lot of credit um, because his technical um, expertise yeah. on the scale that he was brewing at, um, which when you, when you build a pilot brewery, you have the, the ability to deviate, right? and explore new avenues and change processes um and in a production brewery you don't have that ability okay so when i walk when i stepped into the garage with john he actually opened my mind up to a lot of um, techniques that you know we weren't using those techniques because it was more about turning the system okay right and process flow and general like maintenance of equipment and you know there were a few seasonal beers but you know, you, you mainly made four or five beers. Yeah, those right? flagships that you just mm-hmm. have to keep. Yeah, production. Yeah, and um, and really the the kicker for me and the the whole sign on to the project was was stepping in and trying his beer. Yeah. And when I tried the beer, I immediately you know you have that serendipitous moment where you 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 realize oh this is real like this yeah. is something that could work. Yeah. Um, because I don't do very well with with talk and stories and things of that nature i need a tangible asset in front of me something okay. that that i can you know touch and feel you know i'm very hands-on yeah um i didn't do very well in classroom settings for yeah. that reason <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> nor probably for john either no we were um, it, yeah <laughs> that's, that's why we found each other <laughs> it, it is funny because i i always uh have to look back and realize uh, John barely graduated high school yeah. i barely graduated college and yeah. somehow some way the combination of the two of us has led to to good things. Um, and Ignorance is bliss, man. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, he's telling me stuff about production brewing, and I'm going, "Oh, yeah, I switched water chemicals four times last week just to try them." And he's like, yeah. "No one does that in the production world." And I'm yeah. like, Ignorance is truly bliss. Yeah. I, I mean, that's how this all worked for me. Yeah, yeah. It 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 was marrying um, the experimental with the pragmatic kind of linear linear trajectory that has to happen to get a consistent product um and i i think john and i would be remiss to say that initially we did not have a consistent product and that wasn't we still don't you know at times we're batch brewers and we do deviate a lot um though with chase at the helm we have so much more quality control measures and consistency with products that we have made many times before but the creativity cannot subside you know and that's yeah. that's really where yeah. we thrive yeah if, if yeah chase came along i think that that's a so the fir, you know the first one we met and that's where the beer kind of the impetus started in the garage he took it on a f- shitty system i mean a, a deplorable system um so much so that um who did, who came in uh doug odell, doug odell yeah. he came in and he held beer up this is 2000 14 probably been open six months yeah and he goes pretty good beer pretty terrible system (laughs) (laughs) walks back up front yeah (laughs) it was something like uh he's holding the beer up he's like i like this yeah yes that's it i don't like that that. (laughs) you gotta do something about this and then later he he divulged but he said it's because i've hurt so many brewers in my day yeah i've i've I've, i know the pain that that's going to cause people so we had a seven barrel system that i bought in the Kickstarter days, uh, from a brewery in Montana, and I flew up there, and it's just this is metal formed yeah. into things, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, and we had a Grundy tank that had a hot box welded on the bottom, and that caused boil over to go into the ceiling, uh, and it would drop, you know, all over the place. But 
I don't want to get too much in that because because that I don't want people to think that they should just go start a brewery on a shoestring budget. It, we're gonna all die if that's the case. As yeah. far as the industry, definitely don't do what I did. I, I heard a lot of things. I understand that in hindsight, but we got done. We got it done, and so where Chase yeah. came in later, obviously Chase isn't gonna brew on a system like that. And when Chase came in. Um, his third brew, I believe, or fourth brew was Camp Cool Ship number two. So, oh, okay. So yeah. he met my world. Patrick had to deal with my world a lot, where the story and the thing is is uh, you know, the the process is over here, and the story is this grandiose thing. And, and so Chase, you got the idea of what you want it to be, and he's got to make it into something. That's, that's what Pat like, has formed into yeah. over time. And now Chase is kind of doing that. Uh, we've quelled a lot of that, uh, okay. but in the beginning, again, I think there was a lot of desperation. You know. Yeah. I didn't have a dollar at all, and I mean that. Like foreclosure was a thing. Yeah, bankruptcy was a thing for me at the time. So yeah, yeah. When yeah. I when I had a chance, a lot of people helped us along the way. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, it, like John Lane from Oso gave us five hundred dollars cash to put it in the register. Yeah, Andy one, Ingram because we couldn't even give people change. You know? yeah. yeah, we couldn't give people change. But Andy Ingram, Four Peaks, pulled me aside many times and said, "Hey." Let me tell you a couple of things, and and there was a lot of people. Even Anthony at at Santan, um, a lot of people said, "You're doing it the hard way," you yeah. know. And so Chase three three uh, three days in got the idea right away. Like, oh, I'm brewing with tired hands my third day, and these are people that I have no problem getting along with. I think you know we've got a lot of world class brewing friends, and and from that day forward, Chase, um, you know he he I think he he fit right in. And Chase is an introvert extrovert. He's right down the middle. I've yeah. seen him at parties, and I've seen him, and in other things where he doesn't say a word. And yeah. he's just very, very comfortable with being himself. He's yeah. perfect for us. He doesn't boil over ever. Yeah. Um, he's always a simmer, you know. Yeah. But he he would have been the wrong fit for some breweries. And I'm not saying that to condemn him. I'm saying because he's so um, meticulous is the word, okay. and he's mm-hmm. perfect for us. He would have been tougher, like a modern times, if you will. So you know, because he would have slowed the process down. And we love that here. We're learning to embrace Chase, and he's a big part of our, who our program. And yeah. uh, every time we have a beer come out, you know, whether or not you know people love it, which we're, you know, that's one thing. But it, I'll tell you what, it's what he wanted and what we yeah. wanted, and we know what's coming out, and yeah. we, we're fully intending on those flavors. In the beginning, though, Pat and I, uh, Pat's a very skilled brewer, but Pat had. 20 hats you wouldn't yeah. believe how many times he was up in the roof fixing this or that how many times we were writing menus and learning how burgers would cook on a flat top versus a grill and the brew day was going on yeah, yeah. we had payroll yeah. coming up and i was like what the hell's payroll you yeah. know and so i wouldn't go too far in saying that we didn't know what we were doing it was it was what an intense time yeah. it was and so chase owns that uh owns that now and i think he has to me a very very solid team uh, he's got you know john cheney and and ashley and and Chad's coming up, and and uh, I think, man, it, it, what a what a brie. We the future is really bright, and I think yeah. the beers we're going to put out in the next few years. Finally, Chase has a team, and Pat has a team as the operator there, the head of that. That's like, hey, I know when to say no to the marketing side, brand side. I know when to say yes, and yeah. I think I think six years in, finally we're figuring this all out. Yeah. You know? And you've got it down now, right? <laughs> You're yeah. like learning well, shit. I, I don't know if we'll day. ever have it down. <laughs> yeah. well, if people exactly. would start fucking buying Saison again, we'd <laughs> yeah. have it down. We're really good at making Saison. And Nobody all buys the Saisons? Sa- Dude, I, I love the Saisons. Yeah. Yeah, they great. do. They yeah. do. It's just um, the path of least resistance and the, the general like populace. I, I think there is, you know, some of it's obvious. Hops are 
incredible. They're yeah. an incredible thing, yeah. right? Um, but the collective consciousness of the market is going to sway certain directions. And what was cool in at the forefront of you know the the microcosm that was sour beer saison, Belgian, you know, basically the things that just hadn't been touched or done before. Yeah, that happened, and then it passed, and it's still there, and people are building upon it, and okay. it's it's admirable, and and obviously we've done some of that as well. Um, I mean, you look at look around this cellar; it's all wood. Yeah. Um, so obviously we have pushed that direction, and but the beers that are grabbing the attention immediately and saying run out and come engage are not those beers um so you know i think it's just a sorry i found a beard hair stuck to my mic and i thought it was humorous (laughs) that's gonna happen jump off my face now i'm getting older man (laughs) yeah shit's just falling out well that's i'm glad pat said that because i'm i'm my joke i look i spent some time with some really high quality people in the past i mean the season for us starts in copenhagen Goes to Paso Robles, goes to Fontaflora, uh, goes to Green City, which was just other half's festival, right? And so we get to sit with a lot of people and and get a state of the union on many different levels. And um, I, there, I there's a couple brewers yesterday. Um, I think I can name them. I don't think he minds. Paul from Cloudwater, who who's very introspective. I mean, it's it's you got to be ready for a, a conversation with Paul. And I mean that in a very positive way, but. The, the idea that people used to come to places and drink because they were making it is is slipping a little bit. Um, meaning, like, I'm going to go to Manchester and I'm going to taste cloud water because that's a Manchester product, right? Okay. Yeah. And now it's it's like, no, I want it to come to me, and a lot of that's going on. I want it to. It's not really visit that person anymore, that brewery uh. anymore. And you know, the Bagbies in San Diego, man, they have 20 world class breweries. Stones throw and Jeff's. I'm gonna make pilsners. I'm gonna make ESBs. I'm gonna make a really cool West Coast IPA. I'm gonna make them over and over because I'm good at making them. And he's talking about how you know people are coming in less because of that. If he did collaborations and he made hazy IPAs, Uh, he would do better. And he's like, I will not stress my morals. And it was a good good talk. And we talked about our saisons. And a lot of people know us for our wild ales and our saisons. And 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 you know you see these forty barrel tanks next to us. We've clearly committed to the wild side, sure. um, and <laughs> yeah. so I think we're redefining what that is. And again, Chase is a huge part of this. We can't just make. We're we're going to probably switch from our twenty five on tap, twenty to twenty five on tap, and go down a little bit, maybe okay. fifteen really really sellable beers. Because yeah, to to have our team, we can't have beers that sit, and that's the industry right now as a whole. We talked about that with everyone from Sam and other half to Henry at Monkish. They all have the same thing. We can't afford our staff and our buildings and our new future um, projects if we don't have beers where people are lining up now. Yeah. Um, and then that's where Paul interjected and said, wasn't, wouldn't it be great to go back to people just wanting to visit Wilderness? Yeah. They just wanted to come in. There wasn't like the, the trading card yeah. aspect to it. Yeah. Wouldn't that be great? And I said, that's what our seasons were about. Yeah. Arizona grains, unmalted wheat that Geronimo yeah. was taught how to grow from Father Kino in the 1500s. You know, it, think about this. Like, come to taste that, and it's our version of Arizona. And, yeah. and I'm not saying that's gone. That's not gone. But the trading card aspect um, has has gotten bigger. And I'll tell you what's great is the artists are making more money now. The, yeah. <laughs> the can arts yeah. and things oh, like oh, that are a big sure. deal. And yeah. I think that that's fine. I mean, uh, other half has embraced broccoli. 
And I went to their booth. They're dear friends of mine. They have broccoli over. I'm like, that's okay. They have a brand. Yeah. I'm not sure how broccoli plays into that. but Are they the ones with the broccoli and cheese? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah. yeah. I'm like, what the hell is that? And they're one, <laughs> I'm it, sure it's, it's great. It's, yeah. a bro- it's definitely a broken thing. Yeah, broken it doesn't make sense. <laughs> it, 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 you know, I sell 25 swirl shirts. Yeah. I'm like, those grow in my backyard. Yeah. Why are you wearing it? Oh, it's it's cool in Williamsburg. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> but and I'm not. This isn't condemning. It's just I get it. Like we have the point of the moral. What I'm saying is we have to go somewhere that the consumer is telling us what they want. Yeah. But I do, um, I do wish that some people would just come visit Wilderness to try Wilderness beer and see our version of the story. Sure. Yeah. And not so much of the flash and what we have to offer that's considered. You know, I don't even. I guess the word tradable is the best way to put that. Yeah, you know, yeah, and, I know what and, you're and we do. We have in the in the in the season. We have a lot of people come through our door that I think really like our burgers and really like our atmosphere, and they they yeah. love our saison, wet yeah. beaver creek wit, yeah. a beet wit beer with yeah. you know citra <laughs> yeah. style. You know, th- this amarillo or whatever using now hops is is uh, something that I think you're tasting. Steadfast farm, you're yeah. tasting the farm and. That's that's something that we really really hope that the the twenty one year old right now is turning. I don't even know the name of their generation. Obviously, we know they're born with a phone in their hand, but hopefully, they, they want to go back to the earth. Okay. Yeah. And the millennials are now getting healthier. We're all kind of. Moved. I'm thirty six, the tail end of millennial. I think Pat's more in, but. We're all kind of changing our philosophies. Yeah. Millennials were the ones who started this, though. 2008, yeah. when all the millennials were were, yeah. were going, hey, I have a dollar. I'm going to go spend it on craft beer. That's all changing now. Yeah. And I think millennials are like, we're a little worn out by that. And so I'm looking at the next generation saying, hey, we have a really cool story. We're now like the the mentors and in, in the sages, you yeah. know, moving into close to our 40s. Come listen to our story. So yeah. I hope that your audience also. I hope there's a couple 21 to 28 year olds right now going, yeah, I like that story. I want to go stop in to see what he's talking about. Yeah, yeah. Well, and I think that's what it. That, that's why, like with with my show, I I don't I don't really talk about like oh geek out on the hops and geek out on this and you know this was barrel age which is cool i want to tell people stories i think that that's what differentiates everybody you Mm -hmm. know what i mean these different people's their motivation behind what they do the philosophy behind what they do i think that i think that at least i hope i hope that that's the direction things are going where people are interested in that rather than like you said the trading card aspect yeah. of it you Do know you mind if i tell a quick story oh absolutely man i was hoping for some <laughs> uh, bad stories <laughs> no, I, I was just thinking about you know what john's sentiment was and and kind of your um, angle with stories yeah. and it's just fascinating i was i was talking to mark from riba farms two years ago and i said hey we're really engaged in this idea of neo-mexicanus hops it's a wild hop varietal that grows in the mountains of it was discovered in the the mountains of New Mexico, right? Uh, the U.S.'s only indigenous hop varietal. I said, "Hey, this is completely southwestern. If somebody could grow this, it would be so Arizona and ridiculously cool um, that we would buy it all and we would spread the word, and you could you could make a part of your business on this." Yeah. Didn't talk to him for a year about any of this stuff. Year and a half. And a couple, you know, a month ago, I look at his, his farm list because I'm always looking at what, what's available that's unique that we could build a product around, right? Yeah. Hibiscus flowers or chilies or mushrooms, even we've used mushrooms from his farm. And he's got hops on there. So I call him up immediately and I'm like, hey, what's going on? Are those hops? Why? Yeah. He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I built, 
built a trellis system and I grew, you know, 300 vines of hops for you and they're ready. <laughs> we got an early harvest and trying, it, to, uh, trying to show Eric photos so he can get the idea of what we're talking. Cause this isn't some schmuck thing here. This is oh, I've seen, incredible. I've seen, yeah. Oh, wow. This, I know he's been growing them for a while. Yeah. Like he's been but working tr- on, trust me, we've, we've built our own hop farm at yeah. Agritopia. We know what cheap looks like. And it's like, Oh, he did a great job. He didn't mention it in two years. Yeah. Right? And why I love Pat telling the story, you didn't hear how I started this was, hey, farmers can be hard to deal with. You know, like, okay. Yeah. Like, and they just for two years don't tell you. And then all of a sudden, hey, we have 200 pounds of hops. They're ready tomorrow. They're, They're ready. ready. We did it. I'm like, and that's what, what's great about being nimble, um, the way that our production works yeah. is, uh, hey, I didn't build a brand or anything, you know, product around this, yeah. but I still want to use them and we'll buy them whatever price it is. Let's do it. And so we had a saison and it was a non-dedicated, you know, it was kind of just a a yeast prop style of beer. And there you go. Let's throw them in there. Let's see how it works. And then when the main harvest comes in September, let's build a a brand around it. If we can get a nice yield, Um, obviously the first year is going to be a little bit different than year two and three, but it's, it's a good story. It's a good thing to talk about. Yeah. And, the educational aspect and the learning together and like getting your hands dirty is something that we really thrive on right now. It's berry season. So we're, we're up in the, the North country we actually changed all of our uh, meetings on Wednesday to in the truck, driving out to the farm, getting blackberries, getting strawberries. Yeah. Um, so for us, that's, that's more impactful than, you know, creating this kind of what John's referring to as the trading card, uh, type, post and ordering something online versus going to the the place you know yeah it's it's harder and it's it's all of these things but yeah. you know the the story behind it and the the actual kind of terroir of the region comes through right yeah you know yeah. arizona is very rugged and and very unique yeah and i i learned this a little bit from just the wine industry you know the yeah. wine here is unlike any other wine anywhere yeah and they really want to disassociate with any other place because it's it is Arizona, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah, they get really. They, I mean, Eric, um, um, winemaker for Maynard, I can't remember his name, who we got those barrels from. Um, long story short, they we line with them and we're like, hey, we're a little bit more like the wine industry as far as wilderness goes yeah. than we thought. We want a product that people are so proud of in the end. We want you to taste Arizona grains, Arizona fruits only. We don't want you to just have fruit puree yeah. in a can um, or or just hot puree in a can like we want you to taste it and then the wine makers are saying the same thing and, and so we've aligned with them and I think Eric's the number one I mean to me he's the best winemaker in the state I don't think he wants to be called that so fair enough it's like Eric and Pat are very similar introverts who are like I'm just fucking working that's yeah. what I'm doing <laughs> I don't know why you'd say anything about best but yeah. but uh he to me is in my eyes um just from the the wine alone I can say that and I know he's got a lot of people under him making the wine as well and so that organization's making some great wines and so every time we go up there I learn something new yeah and recently we had Logan Plant uh and his wife and his his two kids and Logan's famous for being Robert Plant's son, but I think for me, he's more famous just being the best guy ever um, and owns Beavertown Brewing in London. And he, he was in, in the state 
because uh, I talked him into a vacation here, which is hilarious. Really? Like, yeah. If I, 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 look, the Department of Tourism, I got some pretty cool people yeah. to come in the state. <laughs> yeah. And they stayed in Sedona. And we took them over to Page Springs. And we went through the portfolio. And you could see the look in Logan's eyes. Like, I'd like to know more about this this yeah. flavor. You know, this Pinot growing on um, a southern slope in Wilcox area. I want yeah. to know more about that. This Grenache that's got a little smoky character to it. And and it's just like, look, Arizona delivers in a whole new way. Uh, the, the the Papagos and the Oatum, um you know, the desert, desert dwellers also probably said the same thing. Like, we like this fertile valley. Let's stay here. Yeah. And it's cool to align with these winemakers and learn from them because I think as beer makers we were going in the wrong direction it's industrialization it's what beer was yeah i don't care what anyone says you look at the industrial revolution you look at what london did to beer what manchester did to beer it was a positive thing but it was definitely about production and getting it to more people you and we're look- going that way again yeah oh yeah okay. oh yeah, yeah. definitely 100 percent um and we're looking at it from this this angle of i mean it's there yeah, yeah. it, it yeah. is that way yeah so yeah you can raise you can I think craft beer could be better okay. as a whole. Yeah, I, I think it, I think what happens, and I won't go back to what I talked about earlier. But I don't think you're here, Pat. But industry fatigue, ownership fatigue, management fatigue is a real thing. And then you look at what, let's say, um, um, a good distro company can come in and do for you. I understand why people would take that. Hell, I understand why Logan. I bring him up, but he he did sell forty nine percent of his business. I get it a lot more now. Okay. But I would say, do we have to go that way? Did we have to go to the masses? And if you feel that calling, please go. Don't listen to me. I'm yeah. I'm just a schmuck on a radio right now. But <laughs> I, I, I would say that craft beer could be better. And I think that you should go to Oceanside and try Bagby just to try Bagby. At Bagby. At Bagby. Yeah. I, I yeah. think that you should go to, you know, Manchester to try Cloudwater and then go yeah. to the next place. And beer tourism is so much fun. Yeah. Um, but to just be able to walk into any store and buy it, uh, if everyone does that, and it seems like a lot of breweries are doing that right now, yeah. it, it does take away from what were we doing this in the first place? I thought we were taking down the idea of industrial revolution right. and, and, and the mass product. Anheuser-Busch isn't the enemy. You're wrong. You, the enemy is, the, is, is yourself not understanding how hard this company, this business is, and this industry is. Yeah. I think a lot of breweries went, holy shit, this is hard. And we're doing it every day. It's sure. very hard. This is very difficult. None yeah. of this is as fun as we make it look. Right. <laughs> right. It's, 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 yeah. it's difficult. You consider, you know, some of those mass industrialized breweries, it's not going to be as sustainable either, right? Yeah. It requires a lot of energy to move that stuff around and get it in these packages. And yeah. It, there's a, there's a, something to be said about it's here. A lot of the ingredients are surrounding locally you know, like take your footprint and shrink it a little bit. Yeah. You know, drink beer that has intention behind it. And that's the idea of conscious consumption. Right. And that's something that's got a hashtag and it's starting, but I'd like to see that more. Mm -hmm. What does that Um, mean? Like, so explain that conscious consumption. So, I mean, ultimately it's knowing exactly it's, it's transparency as a whole from the companies that are, are, and that's what is incredible about millennials. They're informed. They're inquisitive. Um, they want to know exactly what the ingredients are made of. Is it a GMO product that's been sprayed with glyphosate? Um, does it have like a water conservation a- aspect to it? I mean, look at um, look at meat right now. 
meat alternatives are going off the chain. Yeah, we and why is that, that earlier? Yeah. You know? Yep. Um, and so that's to me is a, a way bigger message. Yeah. Um, to, to be able to simplify. Just be a, a vegetarian. Just heads up. Like, just, it's okay to be vegetarian and vegan. Yeah. Just be that. Don't eat impossible and beyond. If, <laughs> it, it, and, and if you do, please look at how it was made and, yeah. and, and the, the 36 plus GMO products that a factory and lab and Monsanto all had to come together and say, let's get this patent for this. It's impossible because it truly was impossible. Yeah. And, and I just, I would, I would recommend people just being vegetarian. Yeah, yeah, and, or or yeah. I mean, so the idea we're very passionate about this, and we're not just speaking because yeah. I just it, it means a lot to me that things don't become laboratory made, okay. and that's yeah. not coming from fields; it's coming from laboratories. Do your research. Yeah, some really intelligent food bloggers right now. Hopefully, soon the scientists start looking at it and saying, "Hey, guys, we got to tell you the truth behind this stuff." I know I'm probably killing some exec, you know, somewhere in San Francisco who runs this these companies, but they need to be more clear with what's going on with fake meat burgers because they look like meat. That's why because they they right. come on. But there's yeah. like a barn on the on the package. Though. Yeah, there's a barn <laughs> on the package, and they have some cute little slogan, and and the name is impossible. It's impossible. It's so impossible that Burger King picked it up. Yeah, and you guys think that this is saving the world. So anyways, I'll get off that tangent. <laughs> yeah, I mean, ultimately, they are doing, they are raising awareness to people who are uh, big carnivores, right? Yeah. You don't need to eat meat every single day of your life. You know, they, yeah. you look at human history and, and our evolution. We didn't eat meat every day. Yeah. We ate what was, what we found. We found a fig tree. We ate figs that day. Yeah. You know, and, and you look at indigenous tribes they have really interesting diets that have incredible gut flora based on what they've harvested from the ground and eaten out of this tree, right? Yeah. So I think it more so would be just that conscious idea of, well, maybe today I, I don't eat uh, meat and I eat local seasonal vegetables and I curate my food around that. Yeah. And then when I do eat meat, I'm conscious of that. Local grass-fed beef. You know, something that yeah. is not super water intensive and does not require CAFOs and doesn't re- require GMO corn, right? Yeah. And that's a message that we're trying to push um, because we believe in it and we think that, hey, we can have the best of all these worlds, um, but not just marketed, blasted on, you know, yeah. it, it just seems like fad, trend, market. Yeah. Uh, and okay. craft, craft beer did fall victim to that, so we can't, you know, we can't. We can't just be hypocrites and, and, you know, like we we also fall victim to some of that. But that goes back to the point of, hey, when you're eating something at a brewery, I'm hoping all breweries who have a pub care a little more about this. You should be eating something from that area. Um, It is possible. We've proved that it's possible. Our price points are higher than the pub down the road that's getting frozen food. I'll admit that. Yeah. But I can tell you that. The nutrients and the value is it reminds me of the the desert dweller people the Toado Oatam Indians um, I think that their microflora probably was unique because they're eating things that grew in the hot desert and they, yeah. they became people who thrived well before air conditioning people who thrived in the hot sure. desert yeah I think we are what we eat we we can all prove it's a proven fact now and I, I, I love that when you walk into our brewery, I promise you everything it, down to the fries. We know where they're coming from. Yeah. Uh, obviously, we don't source those locally. We w- would like to, but 
that's a whole different topic. But like yeah. knowing where it comes from, we sit down with our food purveyors and say, "Where does it come from?" We want to know yeah. what happens when duck fat hits these fries. What happens, you know? To, what why are the grass-fed burgers more gamey than not? You know, and yeah. and you learn over time it's people adapted to corn-fed beef, yeah. and now it's corn-fed beef is glued in your mind as good beef. Yeah, and grass-fed probably a thousand times better. But we have to get people there, and and we're yeah. learning. Psychology of food is such a big, important resource, and, and we, we should study it more in, in schools. I really believe that the psychology of, of, of society is not taught enough. Yeah. Uh, why we ate Kraft macaroni and cheese when I got home, right. <laughs> you know, yeah. and I why mean, that became the best food I had, and why yeah. my brain said, holy shit, I want more. Yeah. Right? Look at the, those beef alternatives. Oh, they man. put beet juice in it to make it look like red meat just be yeah. a vegetarian it's, right yeah. Yeah, man if you're that it, you know if you're uh, cutting back on meat's different than being fooled i don't know i just yeah i'm not into it well hey let's let's backtrack a little yeah. bit here that was the all great stuff you i really that out yeah. yeah it's all staying man you guys you need to have your own podcast i'm telling you dude i've already like calculated like 20 different topics you guys can nice, get on nice. uh but, but let's go back so why did you want to open a brewery because you had your own business at yeah the time, right yeah so you moved out here you want why why a brewery sam Jones. i mean really I, yeah. I i've tried to boil this down and be cooler about it but that show um Brew, what was it? Brew, uh, Brewmasters, Brewmasters, right? Yeah. That show was him in the, in the prime of him being him, in in the prime of craft beer being craft beer. We're all trying to obtain something that was two thousand eight, nine, and ten. Yeah, and that's fine. I'm, I think, I think, I think, you know, baseball had its glory days, and we're all trying to go back to those glory days. Yeah. A lot of things you can point to um, had its glory days, and Sam was such an evolutionary character. The guy was being an idiot on television, but still making world-class beer and still being serious, knew when to divulge into, you know, into a new topic that was important. Um, he opened a world that I said, oh, it's more than manufacturing. He was the first person who did not show me only manufacturing. Before that, I was like, cool, tanks. Cool, more tanks, you know. Yeah. Oh, people doing things that are repetitive. Lab and, coats, just la- like yeah, stuff. Yeah. yeah. And so... So yeah, we we bought that beer and that beer was a gateway beer to the other beers and we all went through our stout phase, right? Yeah, <laughs> Every yeah. one of us. Is. And, yeah, or and, your uh, what was the one twenty minute phase? Oh yeah, the yeah. one like yeah. line up for this barley wine with all. Of, yeah, we went through that phase, but that that show is where I looked to my wife and said I'm going to start a brewery and she said okay whatever you know one of those were you drinking craft beer at the time like were you just yeah, from, yeah a little bit but yeah. it was because my father my dad was a pastor did not does still does not drink more than uh, I guess needed would yeah. be a great term yeah um, <laughs> and he has it with meals and he likes it to you know Sierra Nevada Pela was his beer of choice and okay. became how I impressed my friends when I saw that handle on like yeah. oh the Sierra Nevada Pale so cool I'm so cool <laughs> and and uh yeah, Sam just opened up a new venue though. That there's everything was limitless, like gl- collecting yeast off of dates. Yeah, what a story! And so then we uh, tell my wife, and she tells my father-in-law, and then uh, F- John Palmer, how to brew, showed up for Christmas, and the yeah. rest is history. I actually yeah. rewrote the book in in writing because I found that I remembered more by rewriting. Really, nice. so I have a stack of that book being rewritten. Just I just found that I could remember more, and that's part yeah. of the technical thing. That I could, I learn, I could probably be very technical if I wanted to be, you know. Okay. And uh, <laughs> if you wanted to, be, yeah. Yeah. So I did Kickstarter and yeah. and got uh, basically a really good home brewing system out of the beginning start of that Kickstarter and 
uh, was one of the first breweries um, to do Kickstarter and one of the first breweries to be on Facebook telling a story. Yeah. At the time, Four Peaks and a, a lot of breweries were on Facebook, but they weren't going, hey, here's what we're doing now. Yeah. It's here's what we have for sale. So that was a big part of the start. And that was a big, I have to give Sam a ton of credit. I hope he made a bunch of money in that sale because he did a lot for this industry. Yeah. Yeah. So where, what about you with beer, Pat? Like how did, because you were brewing when, when you guys... When he was stalking you, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, how long, um, are you from? Are you from Arizona? I am. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. I moved here in 1990. Okay. Grew up in uh, Albuquerque. Okay. So it was a little bit void of culture. Yeah. And the minute that I stumbled into craft beer, actually, when I was 19, I started working at Streets of New York Brewery down brewery. In, in Tempe. Yeah. Oh, shit. Um, okay. So I I got a pretty early exposure compared to a lot of people. Yeah. And you know they 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 had some good beers and some bad beers and i think zach would be uh you know he would admit that because they were more of a corporate place and so they wouldn't yeah. give them the right cleaning chemicals and things of that okay. nature um so the the beer that was always palatable was the ipa so i started drinking ipa when i was 19 yeah and by the pitcher you know because <laughs> that's how you drink when you're 19 yeah, right that's right yeah um but yeah I, that was kind of the foray into craft beer for me I didn't realize um, that you could make beer uh, until I went to Tucson and I was going to an ASU U of A game. And again, I was not cerebral or <laughs> I didn't know anything about craft beer. Yeah. I, I just knew it was stronger and it was fun and, yeah. and those kinds of things. But I walked into my girlfriend at the time, her brother's apartment, and he had these massive marijuana plants in his closet. And I went whoa this is this is intense you're growing pot in your closet okay um and then i looked in the other closet and there was this carboy bubbling away and i said what is that what is that oh yeah we're just making some beer too and at the time i lived with six guys in the house and my brother a bunch of friends and it was basically animal house it was crazy (laughs) and like most people getting into homebrew well if i make it at home it's going to be cheaper, right? <laughs> so we started brewing, you know, yeah, and made awful beer, but drank it per Regardless, usual, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah, I mean, you got six people there to imbibe every single day. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't hard to go through five gallons of beer. Yeah, so you know that was the, the sticking point um, where I got a little bit hooked on it. Uh, went through college and didn't find a lot of inspiration in traditional education pathways. Okay. Um, you know, did some business stuff. Um, I took uh, David Kahn's class, who was uh, the late David Kahn's. He's incredible inspiration for me. We ended up putting a unit together at ASU um, that was a beer class oh, where nice. they would homebrew, okay. they would uh, make beer for the midterm, and then taste it for the final. And so I would curate some of that with him. Um, but that was kind of the connection educationally to. Uh, brewing along with an internship that I had to complete. So I completed that at my employer at the time, which was Gordon Biersch. Okay. So yeah. Gordon Biersch Brewery, um, I kind of interned under Dieter, Dieter Klaus Jürgen Forstner, who's this crazy German name? guy. <laughs> yeah. yeah um, <laughs> love, love him to death. Um, he's bounced around to a bunch of different breweries and always been a mentor for me. And he actually got me a job over at Santan by basically saying, this guy will work for nothing and he will work very hard he's pretty crazy yeah. um and so that's <laughs> that a selling point yeah so when you the got the job part. like yeah we can't pay you because he said 
we don't have to. <laughs> you don't have to. And that was most of us, you know, Josh yeah. Tellich, who's over at Huss, uh, or he's bounced around too. Um, he, he was a guy who, you know, just hung out in the parking lot basically, yeah. <laughs> you know? And so I, I was waiting tables there to start. And then they said, well, you can, uh, you can jump on this keg washer for minimum wage. Yeah. And I said, please, yeah, I would rather do that a hundred percent than uh, wait tables yeah. though. The wage, um, was much less. Sure. Yeah. But I was willing to do that, you know, sell your car and ride your bike to work just to be able to physically be in there. Yeah. Um, so I kind of did it a different route, more traditional route probably than, than John. And so that, that marriage of those skill sets, um, helped, especially at the beginning, um, cause John was getting awareness and had all these ideas and I had a, a little bit of practical skill. Um, yeah. I didn't, I wasn't a long time brewer. I, I brewed there for, you know, a year and a half, two years okay. maybe. Um, yeah. but hit the ground running. I mean, yeah. that place cranked. Yeah. And it was their growth spurt. I mean, talk about craft beer trajectory yep. just going berserk. With we, Santan? Yeah, uh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's it's funny to think of, back about it because we have the same size brewing system here in Gilbert at our facility. And we had the same thing at Santan where 15,000 barrels was coming out of a pub. Oh, shit. 24-hour <laughs> brewing. We'll do three this year. 3,000 yeah. barrels. Yeah. And they were doing how many? Fifteen. Holy shit! I mean, it was Off the same was, size system. Yeah, and that it was, was a lot of breweries and craft. When still a lot of breweries and craft beer. That and that's, I, I that's another thing I, I admired about Pat. It's like he knows what he's talking about. This yeah. isn't some schmuck here. This isn't yeah. some kid who's trying to brew. It's like I'll never forget that the time that he brewed a quad just to prove a point that they didn't invite him to CBC. It's like <laughs> four batches in a row on a fifteen barrel system. Yeah. You're getting hardly any liquid out of that in the end, but just to prove a point. But then we we've noticed in our own brewery, like, hey, let's let's quell that idea. You know, brewing more. Um, okay, what if we brewed less but better beer? You know, yeah. that's what we're at, and that's what we like. And I think they probably are too. I I think everyone's kind of looking at this mirror, the proverbial mirror, and saying. We would really like to keep people. <laughs> we, yeah. would, we would like our yeah. head brewers to stop starting new breweries. Yeah. And the reason they are is because they're disrespected or they don't feel respected, I should say. They're just like workhorses, like just like yeah. do shit. And, 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 the, and the, yeah. it, when yeah. the semis pull up, I think that that's a very big moment for a, he, a brewer. Yeah. Well, that's, the, that's where it's going? It's just going to go all over the gas stations uh, and everything. So I think yeah. for us, I'm just speaking for us, I think we've, we don't want that to be the feeling. And, you know, Chase has a lot of say. Um, even pops in the marketing meetings. What's what's the name going to be? And um, yeah, I think that I learned a lot from Pat though, and I look up to him a lot because of that. Because I, 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 he never complained, but I saw the pain, <laughs> you know, the dark yeah. hole yeah. in the back where, yeah. you, where you worked <laughs> uh, was very like, normal. See no light. You're like yeah. creeping out. All it was super shit. normal back yeah. then. And then and then came I, the the industry was yeah. pushing really hard at that time, and yeah. so I I I think that was pretty normal, right? And yeah. you had this kind of aggro mentality of like, just get it done, you know. <laughs> yeah. And I brought that a little bit to to the table with our project. And again, back to that desperation, you know, just survival, yeah. right? Survival mode, just no cerebral thought, just get it done. Yeah. And we had that was detrimental to us, mm-hmm. you know. We we had it took a long time, you know, to understand that and to visit places like Copenhagen and realize, well. They mandate a, 
a window in an office. It's a law because they want people to have wellness and happiness, uh, right? Interesting, yeah. And mm-hmm. so w- what we've tried to do in the past few years is just marry the idea of capitalism is going to exist, right? Yep. But also this retention wellness side of who we are so the foraging trips and the you're gonna see cool a lot shit. more of that coming out of us in the future and I, i'm always gonna be the storyteller on this one but foraging um can be very hard <laughs> i was talking early i wanted to open that box yeah. up, but we went to the first time ever um no not the first time but we really like blackberry farms compared to blackberry foraging it's just okay. one of those things where it's romantic and all these things but you got 10 employees who essentially are there as volunteers yeah Oh yeah, it's it, it, I, they're five to ten dollars a pound compared yeah. to free. But yeah. look, it, it's just so great to to and then and then at the end talk to the farmer about how their father who just passed he's 101 years old there in Cornville, folded hills ranch and orchard. Um, it's just great to hear that they uh, just they cultivated this land for that moment for us. Yeah. Wow, you know, and the foraging thing we were just with Fontaflora and they kind of feel the same way where it's it's cute and all. But we can't always do that. And yeah. we have a few projects we always will forage. Spruce chips, we believe in its forest thinning. It's, it's, a, it's a way to taste the northern country, you know, the high country of Arizona. But I've learned over the years, Pat and I have had many mornings picking swaro fruit and just going, it's 102 and we've got a gallon. <laughs> and, and so a lot of that also has to progress into real authentic stories. And so that's another step into why you believe in farming is they're cultivating the land for you. Yeah, for you to pick that blackberry. Yeah, and, and yeah, I, I think if you're, if like if I was going to speak to a brewer out there, and I think there should be more breweries like this that are specific to things like foraging, or we just make lagers, or we do English ales, you know. Yeah. And you have your thing that you do, your identity, yeah. rather yeah. than just running after what everyone else does. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but those kinds of things are only sustainable. If you're doing like a one to three barrel system and you're there every day and you're foraging and it's a very small amount and it's not hurting the environment. Yeah. So, you know, I would love to see more of that. And Scratch is probably the best (laughs) example of of that. But, you know, even even at that size, you talk to their brewers and they're... Well, uh, sometimes I think we do things just to make it harder. Yeah. You know, and and that's probably how our team feels when they're getting stabbed by, you know, bushes and their snakes around. <laughs> True story, got, you know, <laughs> Yeah. So. Yeah. So um, uh, you, if you can get a sense, we're pretty proud of how we do things. It's cool to be at Green City, yeah. world's best IPAs. And we're there and we had three IPAs on. And then we had one Carignan Sauvage. Sauvage um, it was spelled wrong, but uh, it made me laugh. Like a lot of people came up for the wine beer. Yeah, and oh, we're at really? the, yeah, oh, yeah. we we crushed it with Into the Wilderness, the collab yeah. with Sleepy Will. Yeah. Uh, a lot of people felt that, that was the best beer at the festival. Um, and so we had a line for that, which was cool to see. But a lot of people came back to try our, our great beer. What is this great beer, you know? Yeah. Um, I realized that great beer probably is the result of uh, intoxication for a lot of them. But yeah. in the IPA <laughs> world, that's what it is. It's a great beer. Yeah. And then you give it to them, and they're like, so... It, I'm, I'm very proud to be able to be a part of a lot. I mean, go to Fontaflora to, from Firestone to Fontaflora to other house festivals. I've seen a lot of p- different types of people and what they yeah. want and their needs and their feedback. And it's I'm very proud of our team for being able to be in, in all those conversations. Yeah. Um, t- to make world class IPAs, saisons, and sours. That's that's I'm, we're very well rounded, and I, I appreciate how hard people have had to work to help us get here. That's a big 
thing I wake up to every morning, that smile. I'm not, I don't care about the success of anything when I think about just we, our mission statement is actually what we're doing. Yeah, you know, that's, yeah. that's hard to not deviating to do. from the mission is, a, is yeah. a big deal. Yeah. Yeah. Um, though, you know, the financial analysis people would say, are you serious? hundred <laughs> percent of your raw material base mall is now this much more and you have to do all this R and D. Yeah. Yeah. It's our mission. It's our mission. Yeah. You know, Snago mall, obviously that, that project where chip Norton and Kim Shonick chip, um, his, his parents, um, had a, you know, construction company and, and he learned a lot of that. And Kim comes from the nature conservancy. They came together and said, what if we grew barley instead of corn, cotton, and alfalfa, the, the major water strippers of, of the Verde Valley. And, came to us and we said hell yeah we'll buy it all whatever you can you know and obviously we're too small to buy it all but we'll, yeah. we'll do what we can um and now there is barley being grown in the verde valley and then malted in the verde valley and we buy that but to get from a to z was pure hell in some yeah. sense for both of us <laughs> yeah um to to metcalf or you know to genie we tried all these different grains and it was on our dime yeah. and on our customers palate so this this is not some like glory story where in where we won the race and we're happy. No, it, we're we're still in the marathon, and it's every day justice comes to us with deviations and and of things that used to work that aren't anymore. Um, and fluctuations downtown Monday nights are like what the hell's going on down here. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of things to handle, and and uh, you know it's it's cool that we have the arsenal to to hit it on. I do feel bad for people who don't have that arsenal because right now is a really strange time. Yeah. It's strange for us who saw only success. I mean, I felt like we could have just fucking made anything, and people yeah. been like, "That's awesome, let's yeah. go and drink it." Yeah. And now it's every single step is thought out. And and really pondered over. It's a it's a it's it's crazy. It is. I, I all the stories that I heard over the weekend of world class breweries and what they're going through. Even the ones who have lines out the door on Saturdays are going. Ah, getting tired of this shit. I want to go back to making beers. I want to make. And yeah. wow, all these people are saying different things. It's not the Kim Jordans of the world and Vinny Chalurzos and you know Tommy Arthur's anymore. It's not. And I'm not talking crap about them. Sure. I'm saying they're just they're tired. <laughs> they don't need to be in the yeah. spotlight. They've been running a business for 15 years, and now we're kind of out in the front of it. And and everyone's kind of saying, "Hey, I'm a little tired of the repetitive, you know, thing." And so yeah. Pat and I do we do have a lot to do every day. And yeah. Appreciate that some people think we only party. Fair enough. I only show that because it's the only side I want to show. I'm not going to talk about our office hours with Charles. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm just not going to do that, and I'm yeah. not going to talk about our P and Ls. And I, I just think that that's a bad way to express beer. But yeah, yeah, there's a lot to do, and there's a lot of of healing to do that craft. You know, craft beer, in my opinion, did to employees and and did to customers. And you know, yeah. I, I think moving forward, I hope we're all more authentic, and I hope people really mean what they say. Yeah, you know. So you're feeling because, and that's one thing that's impressed me over the years is the, the number, the people you you guys collaborate and the people that you guys get to go see. So those relationships and, um, when I was, I don't know if it was on the podcast or not uh, when we were doing Camp Cool Shit, but all the guys that I'm like, how'd you meet the, you know, how'd you meet John and Pat? And they're like, dude, they were the guys at the festival. Everybody wanted to be around. They were this positive light, you know. So obviously that's a big component as to why you're making these relationships, but. Um, how does that how, how does that even start like with the collaborations and the, the relationship you guys who should built? take this you're gonna get two different answers here yeah <laughs> you, you, i think you would uh knock this one out of the park so. well okay look look i i've 
I'm very blessed to be given a, a deep-rooted energy source. Um, my mother gave that to me, in my opinion. My dad also has some of that. But I, I can go and do things that aren't even fun <laughs> um, and get, try to get something out of it. And relationships is what I'm good at. I'm very okay. good at relationships and bonding with people and, and listening to them. And um, Patrick's really good at expressing the metaphysical side of things and think a little more about that. Why wouldn't you think more about that? And so together I think people see that and go, authenticity, what the hell is that? There's a, lot, there's a, a void of authenticity. A lot of it is, is uh, what we didn't want is the evil empire of the hierarchy sitting, watching, saying, brew more. And I think we walk in the door and it's like, wait a minute, they're owners that, you know, they're more like brewers. I don't yeah. know, we've gotten that a lot where we're, we bond a lot, a lot of the times with the head brewer of a company okay, who doesn't make the decision every day. And then we go and bond with the owner, you know? Yeah. Um, I, like perennial would be a prime example of that. It, both great layers of people, but it's funny that, that we can do both. And authenticity is one of the main reasons. We're very honest. Uh, we, we're very open, you know, and we're, we can drink a little more than some of the people in the industry, <laughs> especially me. Um, I would hire and liver. Yeah. But you know, we, we just really like to speak the truth and tell people how we feel. And, um, I don't mean that in a way of like, I'm sassy. It's just, it's, we will open up some, some pathways and, and, the evolution of craft beer and people go, Oh shit, these guys do know what they're talking about. Yeah. We just like being friends with people. We really do. I love the next Cam Cool Shit, by the way, is in the works. I'll give you the mainframe of it. It's not confirmed yet, but we've always wanted to do a festival. I think the next Cam Cool Ship will probably be more like that, um, where a downtown location can have some booths uh, and we can have 10 breweries or so come in. Yeah. Because that story needs to be told even more. You've got to witness it. But that yeah. that's something where I talked to Nick from True. He's up in Denver, and I think he's oh, a world-class. That's a great spot, man. Yeah, yeah. and I was just with him uh, two nights ago, and he said, hell yes, I'd love to do that. And yeah. Uh, wow cool that's uh, wow how humbling is that that nick would say hell yeah i want to do that and then you go to the next brewer uh and the next brewer and they say hell yeah i want to do that because you guys have something real out there yeah wow what a special feeling and i think that people really understand our authenticity and we mean what we say and i i think that's that's hard earned that's hard earned we've lost a lot of money over being authentic uh, or i guess not made as much yeah. as we we could have over being authentic and people see that and I, I appreciate that the other brewers care about that and and you know like to have a little fun every once in a while you yeah. know so you're saying um the authenticity meaning um choosing that over like all right well this one is going to bring us in more money it's yeah. like yeah but this goes against who we are this is well i yeah. think we're probably confusing at first to some people and then they go wait a minute they really are picking every blackberry in that beer right. going spruce tip <laughs> forging they really are starting a malt house or helping start a malt house yeah they do care about water conservation. They are donating $30,000 a year to charity. Like it, 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 I'm not, I'm, I guess I'm not trying to pat us in the back as much as I think I didn't know that we were, <laughs> we we're authentic until people started to say, what? I don't do any of that. <laughs> yeah, you, you get into beer. the world of business and there's a lot of non-authentic behavior. Oh, for sure. So I think the way that we approach a lot of this is it's a vulnerable open-mindedness. Okay. And sometimes that's not great for business sure. because you say yes and you mean yes yeah. and you follow through with a project before you do the basically the positioning battle of well how much is going to cost how yeah. mu you know am i leveling up you know that whole thing yeah. for us it's more about just 
do we align phil- philosophically? Yeah. Do we align philosophically with, with who we're working with? Yeah. If we do, magic happens. We'll figure out the, the back end afterward. Yeah. And that's like I was expressing about Mark. We were talking about price of, of the hops. And he's like, well, what's this price sound like to you? I'm like, well, you know, that's a little high and we have to use more. But we can work with you on that and yeah, that kick creates, that can down the road. If you that know? creates an employee's future raising hops, that means we're going to have more hops. Yeah. And so on that topic, it's, I think we just have always put our money where our mouth is. I mean, this, this site, this was a lot of money just to build this, this site we're in, uh, or a lot of resources. And this was because we said we're going to make sour beer. Yeah. And we're going to make mixed ferments, you know, mixed culture ferments. Yeah. I think it, it we was definitely about, didn't have to build this. So. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> this space is, it's essentially a fermentation project, right? Yeah. It, it's, it deviates from, traditional avenues even in sour beer making you know the, originally when we came over here it was 100 percent veek norwegian farmhouse yeast you know that ferments at body temperature yeah and we were doing it was all experimental every single drop and that's a huge risk you know businesses yeah. typically don't do that right but with a competent team and pushing forward with something that has some pragmatic sense on the back end you're not going to knock it out day one but you know you're confident that you're going to do something special right yeah and so you know chase has done an incredible job dealing with that because i typically will drive those initiatives and he'll speculate uh is this a good idea (laughs) um but then at the end of the day we find it okay money pad that's right (laughs) (laughs) he's like well i work here so i want to have a job (laughs) uh I think, and then at the end of the day, we we find a good spot where he says, "Hey, this is working. Um, this V strain, not exactly working because it's so crazy. It'll ferment in three days or it'll ferment in three weeks, and I can't really create a brewing schedule around that." Yeah. Um, but the intention was there to do something that was kind of pushing the the mold, right? Yeah. So you know that's that's where this yeah. was born. Yeah. Well, dudes, I, I know you guys got to get rolling here pretty soon, and I feel like we've touched like 2% yeah. of Arizona wilderness. Uh, but I think it's a good start. This should be like one of 10 right? yeah. episodes yeah. with you guys, right? Yeah, we get it, we get excited and we get passionate. We do. Um, I mean, we care a lot. This I love is, it, man. This yeah. Is, I think we should do a whole episode on hiking recommendation and, and then... Oh, one absolutely. On, yeah. yeah, late night stories. Those are a fun one, like road stories. Dude, there's so many things I have in my head, like my series of notes, and I don't. I think we touched on like two yeah. of them. We so. got time for one more story if you want to, or one more thing. Look, yeah, we got to get going for Earth Bowls. Yeah, um, Earth Bowls. We're, we we are. Gonna, so this is yeah. our plant-based uh, alternative. This is how we we'll ended uh, because like we because we yeah we looked at making a burger and impossible burger and it's yeah. like they have series of scientists and patents and labs so that's and how you kind of d- discovered that that avenue of we it. started to research okay should we give up on burgers yeah <laughs> no. no we started to research why this is a pop a pop culture term now why okay. why you know like keto was a big one for me keto was okay. like that's a stupid diet that's yeah. not gonna ever last <laughs> but it worked and i tried it yeah. i tried it because i said it was stupid and i was yeah. like okay just don't drink a lot while you're doing keto oh really <laughs> Yeah, yeah it's, we call it them keto blackouts. In, uh, keto blackout. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you have no carbs in your body, but uh, you still drink the same. Yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately, just drinking, you know, 
long chain fatty acids doesn't quell alcohol yeah. metabolism. Oh yeah, yeah. So, and your body's like carbs. Let's go eat it. <laughs> oh, oh yeah, it's ethanol. Cool. <laughs> oh sugar spike. Yeah. <laughs> um, but like that, you know, it, it, this is pop culture. This is what yeah. it is, and I get it. And that's the world we live in. But I think the Earth Bowl that we're about to unveil for our summer menu, um, it actually came. Just after Paso Robles, we've always wanted to make a bowl. We know bowls are, are easy, you know, especially for our, our fast counter service downtown. But well, yeah. let's be real. We're millennials, aging millennials, and we need to start eating some bowls, you know. <laughs> yeah. Him and I gained a ton of weight with burgers, fries, and IPA. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Not that it's a bad thing. Like, come in and do that. Now it's, it's loggers decadent. and bowls. I like yeah. that. <laughs> yeah. So we, we're basically taking uh, whatever the farms can provide for hopefully up to a quarter, you know, three okay. months or so. And so we can have that as the base, the greens, the snoring white wheat. Um, Abby Lee has good cherry tomatoes. And so chef can build upon that. Yeah. And, and it's just a beautiful display of farm. And then you can add a protein of your choice. Okay. Uh, you can you cannot if you're yeah, you a vegetarian. You don't have to. Uh, eat plant based, but it's it's a good option, to. right? Pick a meat. Yeah. What was the place that this to. came from? Though, like we um, knew we wanted culture one, culture yeah, club one hundred and one. Yeah, culture club one hundred and one in Pasadena. Yeah, they did a ton Just, of kombucha and kefir and you know bone broth bowls. Yeah, and, yeah. I, well, I think that was after Firestone weekend. We had uh, pretty severe issues. Yeah. you know, driving back after drinking inflammation. All weekend, so. Gut inflammation is yeah. a big deal for us, and we want to get rid of it, but. Yeah, we saw that and we called Justice and said it's time to get this summer menu going downtown so we can, you know, feed the bankers and lawyers that are working down there. Yeah. And, uh, there's, you know, that we, trust me, building a menu is the most, the biggest palette that you can mess up. Yeah. You need to take your paintbrush and start to have fun with it. Yeah. It's such a business transaction that you're yeah. doing there. Um, and so I think downtown's menu is a great reflection of our world travels and what we've learned. Yeah. It's a kiss mentality and keep it simple, stupid, but it's also like start slow, go into it and adding this, this summer menu. I think you're going to see, we've been thinking a lot about people's health and wellness and how does craft beer play into that? And especially when you have triple IPAs on and, yeah. you know, there's a lot of things that we think about. I was just with athletic brewing company that only makes non-alcoholic beers and they're, they're going crazy really in Manhattan right now. Yeah. Um, and you know, we have, we have, we have a lot to think about right now. And again, I, I implore craft breweries to, to start remembering why we got into this. We were thinkers. We were the, we were the philosophical ones. We were yeah. the hippies of our generation. In my opinion, the craft breweries were different. We're trying to fight the system and are we anymore (laughs) the system seems to be um falling into place in my opinion and it's like the the evil we're just cogs in this evil piece and i think that we should probably go back to thinking yeah and and part of that is the consumer in brooklyn there's four bars that are serving not now i'm surprised that they're not as good as advertised but non-alcoholic drinks yeah they're 15 dollars, and sometimes they're just fruit puree but um that is something that he and I talk about. If people want wellness, then we'll give them wellness. Yeah. But we do need a transitional shift. And we do need people who still like our beer. Yeah. You know, all this stuff is coming to play. And, and in the end, this is what Pat and I's job is. This is the best job in the world. And the, the idea to go put an earth ball on a menu downtown Phoenix, it's, it's just it's fun. It's, it's us being able to express ourselves and, and let the consumer know we're listening and we care. And, and uh, let our chef know that that matters. You know, yeah. David's going to go, okay, these guys want to put greens and grains on our menu. Great. Yeah. And so that's, that's, what's, that's what's leading us, you know, every day. Well, I think it's cool, too, because, I mean, um, we touched a little bit on the beginning of the, of the brewery itself. But 
Um, I think when you start something, you have to wear, like you said, he wore 20 different hats. Yeah. You guys both did, right? But now it seems like you guys are at a point where you can kind of fall into the roles that are best made for for you and your personality. You know that you know you're not. What's that to... movie that just came out? I uh, just watched on the plane where he climbed free bases. Free climbs. Free, free bases. bases. Free, 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 free bases. The whole movie. Alex Honnold. Uh, free solo. Free solo. Free thank solo. you. Yeah. Um, I was combining base jumping. Not. What was the movie about cocaine. free base? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I was combining the two. I was but, requiem for a dream. Uh. Yeah. I also watched a documentary on on um, you know the the parachuting deaths. Anyways, um, <laughs> that's <laughs> the a, death that's stories a are for Pat. That's uh, yeah. the, the story. Well, guy. yeah, but but I, it is funny. Like, I I've, I've got good advice that if you want to be the best at something, you're going to give up a lot to get there. And yeah. watching that movie was was it really pertained to that. And I like that Alex has a lot. Like Pat's a lot of Alex, a lot of it. Like he he free soloed. Hell cap and went back and exercised afterwards. If you've seen the movie, no, the I, I haven't it. seen it. So yeah. if I get, yeah, it's he didn't die. Okay, yeah, but <laughs> kind of figured at the, at the end he didn't pop a beer or anything. He just yeah. went and he what's the when, hangboard hangboard. And so I just thought of Pat a lot, but then he really liked telling the story. He yeah. might have said he didn't, but he had cameras all over him, and he got off on that too. I could tell he it was funny. It's a mix of the two. And I view a lot of our trajectory as climb as free soloing. I really yeah. do. I don't think we've had ropes a lot. I don't have a big retirement right now. I mean, for six years of working this hard, um, I feel like we are free soloing a lot, and we're yeah. finding that crack or that crag or the, you know, the little little tiny. And you should watch the movie. I think you'll love I've it. I've seen the little highlights of it where yeah. he's got like a like a half inch thing that he's got like a finger. I'm telling on. you, we've had a, mm-hmm. a half inch and a finger and a hold a yeah. lot of times, and yeah. and um, you know, it's it's a it's it is a rush. It is yeah. an adrenaline rush. When you look at it that way, you say. Oh my God! When is there a top to this? You know, yeah. I don't know. I don't. I don't. I, I don't I know. Hope. And I'm like, Alex knew. Alex knew there was a top, and that's yeah. what drove him. But for us, I'm like, man, I don't know that there's a top, and yeah. that that creates some fear and some instability. And so we're, I think we're trying to put more stability in our in our way, and maybe have a top. You know, yeah. not saying we'd retire, just have a top and stay there a while. We like that five barrel, thousand barrel mark, um, yeah. and then sell it to ourselves, and that's. A self-distribution model I think works and that's kind of the top for us and we okay. don't have to be so risk you yeah. know um, we don't want to be so risk averse but like we take a lot of risks Yeah, we mm-hmm. built a downtown location for three times the cost that yeah. we should have to get downtown Phoenix because we believe in it you know yeah. we did that because you know we saw a little quarter inch of rock and we said okay jump over there ninja kick over there yeah and yeah. Um, Boulder problem. And, and, and now it's open and, and it's like that, wow what a rush! But it, you got to run it now, and it's this yeah. is this is the world we live in, and it's it's what propels us, the excitement it propels us. Yeah. yeah, I mean, ultimately, you go through life, and you know, there's a fear of taking risk, but a bigger fear is taking no risk at all. Sure, right? Yep. And so there, there's that obsession that him and I seem to kind of parallel think um, as we move forward with just pursuing these opportunities and making a bigger impact we're only here once right yeah so can you go after an initiative that is bigger than yourself right and are people going to buy into that and go along with you on that ride yeah so we just hope that people will because it's what we're passionate about if that subsides and people don't care about saving the planet and doing the right thing then we can do something else or you know 
Yeah. And but I do we can think work that in laboratories and make fake meat. We can make meat. Furners. Yeah. Furners. We can get the texture <laughs> by smushing it down. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> Might be a new business venture for you guys. Yeah. Yeah. Making fun of it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I feel bad because there's probably we're, some people out there passionate about this, but sure. I just say be vegetarian. No. Yeah. No. We'll just all start eating crickets. Oh, cool. That's better than Beyond Meat. I mean, that's, yeah. to me, it's better. But. I'm, I feel like there'd be a cricket burger coming out at some point. Yeah. Like, I'd get into that. He's being honest. I know, I know he is. And I'm in. I'm, I think I'm, he just, I think he just yeah. pitched this. He was looking at you like, dude, right? Yeah. Like, like, if there's any that cricket. That means Pat's just read a book or watched <laughs> a movie on this. I'm, he's read a blog about cricket. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, if there's any cricket uh, people that want to collaborate, we'll do it. If you're, hey, cricket people out there, <laughs> Wilderness Brewing Company, um, we're looking for you. Yeah. I just so happen to a lot of my listeners are cricket people. So, oh, you know? cool. Yeah. <laughs> Great. Get it. Get it. <laughs> yeah. I get it. So, that was pretty right. good. That was a good way to, good joke to end it. <laughs> yeah. All right, guys. We'll, let, we'll, we'll wrap this up. I know you guys got to get going. Um, the next story I wanted you guys to tell, I think it might be a little bit longer, though, was the uh, uh, Dead Serious. That's, that's a really cool story. Yeah. I don't know if we have time for that. I can crush it out. Crush it. Okay. 11.43. Ready? Go. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Yazan, who I just, he, he has two homes. He, he lives in Greenpoint, Brooklyn, and, okay. and then over in Jordan. I was just there. Didn't get to bump into him because other half's festival is just constant going. But Yazan and I speak once a month, and um, the history of that, I think, is pretty special. Um, he came to the brewery one day because Lou, who it runs Beer for Brains, used to work with Sam Caljone, by the way, and okay. helped build Dogfish Head. Lou wanted to bring him in the state, and he brought us. Um, Yazin came in the brewery one day, and my view of Jordan is a lot of people's view of Jordan, a lot of people's view of Arizona. It's dry desert. What you know? What is it? Sure. Yeah. Um, and Yazin had the same spirit that I have for Arizona. I think he'll admit, like, I, he was very surprised with how much I loved Arizona. And I think he he was like, oh, this, you know, again, the instant mag- magnetic, like, oh, this guy's being honest. I'm all the way over from Jordan. I hardly know him, and now we're friends. Yeah. And he brought up Dead Sea, and, and I said, huh, what if we used Dead Sea salts in a beer and we flew over and did this? And um, he was not hesitant to say yes to that. He's like, I would be in for that. And so as time went, we stayed in touch, and we had a few pints that day, stayed in touch, and I didn't really ask him his background. I didn't say, are you a Christian or Muslim? I didn't, you know, there's, I didn't care, but it, yeah. d- it does play into the story. Yeah. So we, we um, talked to him. Turns out he's one of the 2% of the Middle East that is, identifies as Christian, and his, why that matters is his family started a church in... Um, Madaba? Madaba. Memory on this guy. Um, <laughs> And so, Chaga. yeah, <laughs> Chaga's wearing out. Um, so we, we hear this and it's like, oh my gosh, we better get a film crew. And, and that's a whole different topic than yeah. our TV show and what, why I wanted to do it. And now I'm over it. But I think we got the film crew over there and we, it's, it hasn't been released. There is a lot of cool footage of that trip. And um, we get there and essentially Yazan opens up the doors to us it's a very 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 different country yeah, yeah it's just even getting through the airport was like what the fuck are we doing you know like yeah. how do you get through this airport and I, I felt like we were on a high-speed chase with the taxi getting yeah in the town. just getting in the taxi oh, really? it, like, it was the scariest at least 100 miles an hour and just honking and oh he's like driving in the dirt on the median at 70 you know just yeah. like tail fishing around and you're like yeah why are we in a rush man? yeah we're, we're just we're just you know and, and no one knew care killed no one in the whole country because yeah 
because the the fact of the matter is you had to have three things happen to start a brewery and and it's a one in a billion chance maybe even higher than that okay you have to be a christian you cannot i mean it's it would be yeah. so out of the well the the realm it to be a, a identify as muslim but to be christian you cannot be friends with anyone in the government it's very hard because the government identifies as muslim right yeah. so somehow yazin's father you know those metal structures around that are basically like industrial almost like this but they're made of metal he actually built all of the buildings for the government oh, they're so like hangers right they're hangers yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah and so he built these cheap buildings and he became wealthy for that got to be in with the government with the prince and with the, the king and then the third one is money and his dad made a decent amount from that and those three things are nearly impossible to combine yeah to be christian to be friend of the government and have money in in a you know in a, in a you know a city at the time that was taking syrian refugee refugees on and Kind of going into what I would call a depression. Yeah. And so Yazan... They have some water issues, you know, to bring the water <laughs> thing back up. They get yeah. water uh, trucked in once a week that sits on the top this of is all the, brewery. the houses. You know? No shit. Well, yeah. and the brewery, too, yeah. Yeah. The, the brewery, during our brew, had to get multiple water fills from this tanker truck that had a hose. It's just spurting water out the side So you're not just turning on a faucet and getting no. water. You got to... No shit. You got to truck it out there. Yeah. And there was, I kid you not, this is a real story. There was a hole in the hose, and I started to freak out. Like, dude, you're like, half your water's going out. And he's like, I can't say anything because he won't come back. Uh, Really? (laughs) Just cultural. Like, that'd be me complaining. Um, so we had a lot of culture. Oh, so to you learn couldn't there. say, "Hey, dude, you're you're dude, you're going on water." I'm paying for this. I'm paying for this water. You're paying for all that water that's going yeah. around. And the right? guy's like, "It's what you're going," to you know. So he's yeah. the only one to deliver water to him. And this, yeah. it's over the Blue Valley, I want to say, and the Blue Valley goes down to where Jesus was said to be baptized. There's different areas that, but and then it goes to the Dead Sea. And so we went from the brewery down to the Dead Sea, um, and swam in that and had a great time and it's it's uh, inspirational it's it's historically it's the you know it's the dead sea yeah <laughs> um yeah. And, but the funny thing is we didn't know what to expect because yazan like a lot of jordanians don't have this like communicative way okay <laughs> it is, they're going 70 miles per hour fishtailing everywhere and um we get down and it's this five-star resort and we're like what the hell's going on we have yeah. the camera crew and they say hey no camera crews donald trump's staying here tomorrow with the g20 summit yeah and we're like uh okay <laughs> yeah. you don't know Didn't any plan of on this that. Stuff. no i don't know any of that and i'm like <laughs> you know no one wants to talk about that guy over yeah. here yeah. and so we we have fun and we had to shoot on iphones i should we should release this all this we should edit this and release it and um it, it was one of those combos of taking in culture but learning why we love Arizona so much, so, you know, why we love our culture so much too and why we yeah. identify with that, but opening being exposed to their culture. And going back to the brewery, Yazan had a lot of issues at that brewery. He had two American brewers, and that's a big, big move. Yeah. You know, one was yeah. from Kentucky, and that's a big move. Yeah. Um, and the brewery... It was being pieced together, kind of like ours was in the beginning, and it was a but s- at a fifty barrel 50 size. Fifty barrel size, is the yeah. size of so he has to order Santana Four Peaks, right? No shit. He has, he has to order Damn. grains six to eight weeks ahead, and this yeah. a lot of oh, times it was it doesn't like show three up. Three months, man. Yeah, it was yeah. a lot more. Yeah, yeah, he, because it's coming from the states, and and that's coming from the shipper, and a lot of times, so we had to plan this brew day months ahead, and it almost didn't show up, and they only brew every so often. Yeah, and oh my gosh, the the. The brew day was, you know, it's it's a brutal brew day over there. And it's yeah. like a lot of these brews are talking about pieced together. But I'm so proud of Yazan for pushing through that. And then 
that's the easy part. Yeah. <laughs> Selling beer to Muslims is the hard part. And finding the non-Muslim people really is what he had to do. And so he's going and, and to... And you hotel. realize there's no such thing as cold storage. Or uh, quality control is yeah. non-existent. So everything's pasteurized. It has to be. Yeah. There's no way around it. Yeah. Non-existent. So we were ordering, like, we'll have the Caraco Pilsner. Yeah. We get this red beer. And yeah, I was like, don't ask. Like, it, yeah. it's that... Like, it's it, like that is clearly our amber, but they don't know the difference. And, and who, I'm dealing with this on every single account. Who's yeah. the other? Is Amstel the, the one? Yeah. So, so you, the big corporations own those markets. And the only uh, way to get into those, and like John was saying, you have to be able to have some influence in a country yeah. like that, or you would never get your product placed anywhere. You wouldn't be able to sell a drop of it. Yeah. And you have to basically build them a draft system for them to sell your product. Yeah. You know, so it's like. Dang the amount of effort that's required to sell a pint of beer. So you got to be really into it. Like he's got, I mean, he's the, the, the drive that he has behind his mission has to be just, just out of this world. Yeah. Then he's trying to take over the New York market with it too. And that's yeah. a whole different story. And everything about us very, uh, it's, it's highly ambitious. He, he knows how lucky he is to be the, one of the, the three things combined. Yeah. And it, it just, I think what happened was a spark when we went over there, I don't want to speak for him, but I think there was a spark, and I think that it did start to. A, a few more people did turn their head and go, "What is that again?" Like yeah. I've seen this story, and I'm seeing these videos of these dudes coming over and they're harvesting local salts, like from the potash plant growing on the side of the, the sea. And he did. I hopefully he still is selling a lot of that beer. Yeah. Um, it's a cool story all the way around. The label was. Um, we were part of making the label and yeah, love that label. Too. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's, <laughs> it's very authentic. Everything yeah. about that story in the beer and, and it, you know, they're making, they're, they're doing a sour, uh, kettle sour for the first time ever. And we're trying to tell them how we do it and yeah. I, I mean, how it turned out well is mind boggling, you know, yeah. and to taste dead sea salt in a beer coming from Jordan. Yeah. It's a special experience for sure. Yeah. Yeah. What, and, and if there was an avenue for him to sell more beer like that, I mean the U S specifically, Beer like that can travel, right? It's got yeah. acid in it, um, so that's helpful. It came to Arizona, and it was a really, really nice beer. Yeah. But he can't exactly make these obscure sour beers and sell them in country yeah. all that well. Yeah. And yeah. And to end the story, because we do have to go, but yep. I remember that whole thing started over a pint at a pub in Gilbert, Arizona, yeah. and that's what craft beer represents. It. it we we were just talking over a pint. Yeah. yeah, it'd be cool if you came over. Yeah, I'll yeah. do it. You know, and that's that's what I did all weekend with a lot of these really incredible brewers. Um, and that's what craft beer should be. I, that's why we believe in pub and why we believe in our downtown location, the beer garden style. It's community effort to talk. Yeah, you mm-hmm. know, you don't have to have three triple IPAs. Don't, we're not saying come down and get you know intoxicated. It's just sure. be cerebral with your conversation and your friends, and and that's what craft beer is. And that's why yeah. New Albion started. You know the first ever brew pub in the United States, and that's that's why we carry that legacy today. We want you to talk and think and meet people like Gazan and say, "I'll sure I'll expand my," you know, yeah. or just come after work for happy hour and, and meet a new neighbor. You know, yeah. and that's, that's good what conversation over a pint. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and that's one thing that I do love about our approach. And it may not be the shock and awe factor of what's happening in beer right now. Is some of these beers they sit at three percent, you know? Yeah, and that's great. Drink, yeah. drink a couple. Yeah, you know, have Two a conversation yeah. cerebrally. <laughs> it's that's great. Yeah, yeah, so. yeah cool. Yeah, we're having lunch. Let's go have a beer. Lunch right now. Yeah, I like that.
Sounds good. <laughs> All right, guys, dude. Yeah. Thanks so much. We need to, uh, well, this is one of 10, I think we decided, right? Cool. Maybe 20. Yeah. yeah. So, definitely. Guys, I appreciate it. Oh, thank you. Thanks. Okay. Hey, guys, thanks for listening. Tap that AZ is part of the Hopped Up Network. Hopped It is a network of independent craft beer podcasts. So, there's around 30 podcasts on there now. Check them out. Hoppedupnetwork.com. Find your uh, new second favorite craft beer podcast. Thank you guys, as always, for your support. Keep spreading the word. Reviews on iTunes always help and always make me feel good inside. Uh, tell a friend, um, craft beer friend, local Arizona friend, whoever. Tell everybody. Tell your dentist. Tell your dog groomer. doesn't matter. Spread the word. You think they'll like it, let them know about Tap That AZ. So, just want to tell you guys, you guys are awesome. So just continue to stay awesome.